open up the app and the music appears But you don't see the hard work, blood, sweat, tears Three minute videos, days spent filming those Airports, sound check, live shows, studios, managers, promoters Labels, graphic design, there's a lifetime behind every rhyme Victory, failure, profit and the cost If we don't pass it on, then the history is lost Want an album review? Then you're paying for ads You want a half-page story? Cost you double for that And the radio's the same, gotta show them the money Cause they shelter and their listeners like bad boy Bubby Ignorance is bliss, but it isn't if you're missing the foundation That's why we had this conversation You wanna know the real deal? Here it is you're tuned in to Beers, Beats and the Beers. All right, check it out. We're back in business. This is the Beers, Beats and the Beers podcast broadcasting live from the Shire Studios. Once again, my man Insidious behind the boards, my man Trav, he's sitting opposite me. And we've fucking, man, I'm stoked to have this guest join us this week. But before we get to this week's guest, man, it's a fucking crazy world out there. I hope everyone's fucking staying safe as of recording this podcast. We are, um, I mean, we're fucking hearing about Victoria being locked down. Brisbane's just opened everything and, uh, Man, all I can say is fuck COVID, take care of one another, stay safe. I mean, observe social distancing, do whatever you have to do, but motherfuckers, just stay safe, take care of one another and uh, do your thing out there. If you're fucking locked down in Victoria, man, we feel for you. If you're going into lockdowns in New South Wales, man, we're fucking, we feel for you and we're delivering you this product week after week to hopefully keep you entertained while you're in that lockdown. But man, you know, we've got you, we're thinking about you and uh, yeah, once again, man, just fucking question everything, question the media. We don't, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> there isn't a great understanding out there as to what is going on. I don't even think our governments know what's going on, you know, and I don't know, I don't even want to rubbish on about this too much, but yeah, I just thought we'd broach this to begin with. Just take care of one another, man. Observe that social distancing, fucking be safe, be healthy and fucking do what you got to do. Get out there, question everything, question fucking everything, because, you know, we don't understand the motives behind this shit and I'm pretty sure there are some. So, you know, but let's get into last week's episode real quick, man. We had Duckets and what a uh, what an amazing fucking human being, man. A good positive human, man. He spent fucking pretty much the whole night in the studio with me and Russ while we had some beers and shit. And um, yeah, man, we talked all that shit. We talked life, work, Hare Krishna, hip hop, fucking, you know, he's a vegan. He works at um a vegetarian, sorry, yep. He um I stand corrected, a vegetarian. He works at um Govinda's here in Brisbane. He's been a practicing um a practicing Hare Krishna for some time now. And um yeah, he has definitely has a unique perspective on things. Um yeah, good dude, man. Part of uh pure product early on with the uh the Optimum and Red Tape Renegades or Red Tape the Red Tape label and all that sort of shit. Then later Deadbeats, uh, the Deadbeat Society, a great crew that were doing things in Brisbane here for a minute. Um his solo shit, fuck, I can't even remember, man, what did we what we all got into. But yeah, man, it was a fucking good night. It was a great interview and uh can't thank Duckets enough. Stay up on him. Find him at 10 Duckets on social media or at Wired Weird. He's working with the No One Network and um he's out here, he's bombarding social media, he's bombarding YouTube, you know, he's getting his presence up and I suppose that's what it's all about these days, you know. So yeah, um once again, if you want to follow this podcast, you want to support this podcast, hit the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash beers beats the biz you can find us on social media at uh instagram facebook all that shit beers beats the biz and you know man we're fucking we're back out here gaining a bit of traction if you're checking out music based on what you hear on this show man go into the comments on youtube and let them know let them know that you know beers beats and the biz sent you here i've seen that uh mentioned on a couple of videos just doing my own little bit of research going into interviews and shit so you know we're stoked to see that happening and you know you can like us rate us subscribe on fucking itunes that always helps with you know all the 
sort of shit we're trying to do. And yeah, man, we're trying to run this shit like a fucking job now. So, you know, this is what it is. But man, we've got to get to this week's guest because I'm fucking excited to have this dude in the studio, man. We've had fucking mad history together. We've been um, talking over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, man, we've gotten the fucking, you know, we've gotten some, um, you know, we've gotten some issues out of the way. And I, I'm fucking super excited to have this dude here. He is a fucking, um, man, I would say one of uh, Australian graffiti's largest exports without fail. He's painted globally. He's run retail in this city for 22 years. He has a magazine or had a magazine, should I say, that sold tens of thousands of copies. He's a, um, man, he's a polarizing figure in this city and around this country. And he's a man that's been doing it for a long time. I'm super excited to have the man, Jason Woodward, aka Casino in the spot. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. I uh, very much appreciate it, Jake, and uh, appreciate any chance to communicate clearly with um, anyone that puts as much work into the scene as yourself and the same with your crew here. It is a uh, great service to the hip-hop community in Australia that you're doing and uh, glad to be asked and glad to uh, have a crack at it where I can hopefully keep it positive and uh, <laughs> keep it all, you know. Dude, interesting for everybody. Absolutely, man. And like, you know, as we've discussed, you know, over the past couple of weeks, because you and I have been going backwards and forth, you know, a lot of a lot of some of the issues that we've had in the past that we're going to avoid and whatever, but, you know, we'll just broach just out on from the outset. It's largely miscommunication, isn't it? Generally speaking. Yeah, and, you know? and, and to be honest, like 80% of it would be me in a lot of ways. And um, uh, let me tell you a funny story. Where I was discussing with a friend where I've had a few issues because I've – Largely stuck to myself, but tried to be business-minded. And uh, a friend of mine, Sento, in New York once wrote on a graffiti piece, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, that made a lot of sense to me. In the sense, though, I've never uh, tried to sell out with the graffiti or whatever, but I've definitely been business-minded. But, when you know, when you got stuff, I, I was having a wins to a mate of mine, a good friend of mine, and he turned around and um, said to me, oh, look, you know, you, you do have a few issues, you know. And uh, you butt heads <laughs> with people or whatever. And uh, A, my wife told me I've got one of those high-conflict personalities mm, mm. where uh, if someone talks shit, i just got to say, hey, man, fucking, you know, uh, please approach it from a different point of view because yep. it, it's not hitting me in my ears the right way or whatever. Anyway, yep. but uh, my, I turned around to my friend and I was quite mean in one sense and I said, man, look, because you've had nothing your whole fucking life, you've never had anyone try and steal shit from you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as you know yourself in this scene – Unfortunately, sometimes the more that you help people, and I've dedicated a fair bit of my life to trying to help the scene and be cool and be positive, but even uh, no matter what, there's always people that, um, uh, you know, want to take shit, man. If I yeah. can. And, um, and, and just uh, unfortunately I'm one of those people that will just fucking say, hey, man, yeah, you're talking shit or, buddy, from my point of view it's like this and a lot you of people don't want to hear that sort of shit. And regardless of – any past miscommunications and shit like that, man. You know, and yeah, I think it's great I that we could move. That. And I think it's great that we, could, you and I, can move beyond the formalities and all that kind of thing, man. Yeah, I, I think I, <coughs> I hope that I want to be an adult, and I hope that everybody else wants to be an adult. Mm. And uh, B, um, just for everybody that doesn't know me, I, I guess I'll fill in some of the background. I'm nearly fifty now. I first started tagging trains in 1984. First at a panel in Brisbane in '86. Would you know, first guy in Brisbane to do whole cars and whatnot. And with my friends from uh, All City Renegades, big shout outs to Cooley and Jupe and Spike and Deck and uh, a bunch of the original All City guys. Um, you know, we, we did a bunch of trains. And then for me, I was always a big picture guy and I always wanted to go overseas. And, I, and uh, friends of mine that were smarter and cooler than me 
moved into the music industry earlier on, cowboys like Catch and whatnot. Mm. And Catch was a hugely influential graffiti writer and um, ended up doing a great label called Hydrofunk. And, uh, you know, so I've done a lot of different things. Butterbeats I started over 22 years ago. We had that one stage three record stores. We got one down the Gold Coast, Davenport Street at Southport. We got one in Brisbane at uh, Fortitude Valley and Duncan Street in the Chinatown Mall. But, yeah, I've tried to do a lot of different things. Um, I'd be far more famous in a sense if I stuck to one style and one thing. But for me, I'm interested in culture and hip-hop. And um, and let me say this too about hip-hop. One of the things that I always loved about it was that it was very much a participant's activity in terms of if you're a graffiti writer, you, back in my day anyway, you'd be judged on what you did, your attitude, your solidity as a person. Same with rap, same with uh, DJing, all that sort of stuff. It was pre a time where you could manipulate uh, perceptions in a way very easily. Of course, you know, there's always been a record industry and it's always about guiding perceptions. But uh, in terms of just uh, if you wanted to know who was up, you'd go to a city, you'd catch the train and you know who was up mm. rather than say now where it's Instagram and um, a lot of uh, sort of false so, economy of, yeah. um, yep. of uh, you know, ha- you know what, what is a million people on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, for me, I've uh, done a lot of different things. Blitzkrieg Magazine, I did that with Pete Fear. We did um, sold over 45,000 of those. Yeah. I did a whole bunch of early graffiti videos. I was inspired, yep. of course, by Star Wars and Henry Chapfont. And then uh, – 183 Productions. Yeah, so 183 <laughs> with the original 183. Took it from Tacky 183. I've been doing that company for over 30 years. So we did a lot of distro stuff that was back – when there's only really Central Station Records and uh, a few other stores getting around supporting hip-hop a little bit. And, you know, uh, books, I've, I've done a few books and, uh, you know, just try and come at the scene from a bunch of different angles. We put out 19 records all up, so uh, Butterbeats and me with the help of a lot of different friends have uh, tried to support the scene by doing these sort of uh, basically not-for-profit sort of uh, yeah. records with the 19, over the, you know, some of it jazz, some of it funk, some of it hip-hop. Uh, most of it hip-hop. Um, 20 years ago, we did uh, one of the earliest hip-hop comps, which was a four-element effect. Yeah, man. And it was a uh, and it was uh, a fucking a phenomenal compilation, man. It actually, for anyone listening that is unaware of the four-element effect, it was the first time Brad Strutt's Authentic saw a release. It, uh, it contained tons of things. It was Minamonic uh, Mnemonic Ascent. Yeah, Mnemonic Ascent. You know, second like, time Hilltops were on. Uh, there you go. Uh, put out. with uh, yep. So that was pretty cool. Yep. And then... Um, <laughs> But, you know, for me, I came in at a little bit more Aussie-Aussie angle at that stage where we've got a Kingswood on the front, you know, yep. on the cover and whatnot. But we're just trying to cover the whole of Australia at this time. And that was pretty successful. We got rid of those pretty quickly. Uh, with all my projects, I, I try and make it cool for the artists where um, I'll give, you know, part of the deal will be like 20 copies or whatever so they can sell them or, or, or give them to whoever. Mm. That way that if I'm making a 1,000, you know, 400 will go to artists. So it's pretty easy for me to show the artists that yeah. I won't be making any money out of it. It was a great compilation and the exposure that it gave to a lot of those artists in that era, man. Like, Yeah, well, some, some of the guys were coming and going, like Dog Boy, which was kind of one of the, the Funkier ah, guys, dog boys, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They had broken up basically. Sydney dudes, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were really cool. They're on Channel V. We did a bit of a tour when I went. I toured Run DMC and uh, Resin Dogs. That was a pretty cool experience. And um, met those guys down there. But they did a Spinal Tap routine where they're getting signed up, and they had an argument in the, the you know the record company's office and blew it all out. You know, yeah. but yeah, great guys, yeah. good talent. Yeah. And yeah, the guys I love too. Um, 
Oh, crossbred mongrels, man. Oh, Flack bro, with that crazy bro. voice, yeah? Bro, bro. I've actually, um, man, he is someone we have to have on. I've had a couple of people reach out to him. We will have him on in the future. Even just prior to COVID, we were close to having him flown up to oh, do okay, the interview. Okay. Man, I love crossbred. Love crossbred. Yeah, well, yeah, one of the most distinctive voices in Australian hip-hop, without a doubt. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was a cool period at that stage because for, for everybody involved, it was still a hard sell and it didn't really have any – there was no eBay or anybody trying to flip records or any of that stuff. Everybody that, that bought that supported it, loved it mm. and felt it. And um, and Crossbred Mongols, just once again, just to interrupt, just for those listening, and I'm pretty sure we've fucking spoken about this a million times, but Crossbred Mongols was Flack and DJ Debris of the Hilltop Hoods, DJ Debris rapping, of course. You know, For those that didn't know, he was rapping in a group early on. They had a posse cut with Lyrical Commission on Culture of Kings, boom, boom, boom. Like, I dare say most wouldn't know, to be truthful. But yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. You know, true, but yeah, true. great, great hip-hop, man. I wish they did more stuff, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. me too. Love Crossbred Mongols. PJ, big shout-out to their original manager hilltop's original manager he was uh man he put so much love into to hilltop there's another dude that i, I don't know if you've interviewed him for this no, show pj, PJ no. big shout out to pj in adelaide man he, he, he you know he supported those he dudes from full day effect, one full effect magazine too yes yeah, so there was an early graph magazine out of adelaide used to have a lot of 73a stuff and um just a really hardcore hip-hop dude didn't paint so much or didn't do much he was just more of a manager sort of yep. um collector slash uh, promoter, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, dude, man, I wanted to kick things off by asking, because you just you mentioned briefly just in the intro about whole cars, man. You were one of the first people to paint a whole car. But uh, like I said to you off air, man, just out the gate, I want to ask you about one specific whole car because I think it's fucking timeless. I mean, you know, you like your graffiti, man, like you broached so many different styles. You, um, you know, politics were involved in some of your graffiti, like, you know, like actual like political meaning, you know, like there was a, like there was a political kind Connotation behind yeah, some well, of your you know, stuff. Yeah, I, I did a fight racism. I guess that was back in buddy '94, yeah, so yeah. you know, way ahead of the curve on that one. And yeah, uh, yeah, fucking no a. man, my master, which was you know, I've always been an anarchist. I, and I, I suppose you came up on like subway art where it was like ban the bomb, fucking you know, totally, like, totally, you know, like, totally. It, and also, a, too, mad props to IGT International, uh, get hip times phase two respect. Uh, and Schmidlap, this other guy did that magazine coming out of New York, black yep. and white magazine. That was like the first real graph mag that uh, we all got hold of. And that was, you know, heavily political. Yep. And for me, I've always dug that. Yep. And, uh, yeah, mad props to those dudes. Yeah, for real. But, dude, I want to ask you about the fuck Christmas whole car <laughs> that uh, graced the cover of uh, issue of Blitzkrieg. I think it even went up in a hype magazine. Like, it's just a timeless car. I think it's one of Brisbane's one of Brisbane's most classic whole cars of all time. It had Santa there with the fucking black eye. And down the side, it had the scroll, ACR, another Christmas ruined. You know, man, can you tell us about that? Painted on Rattler, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, at that particular time, we were, we were hitting a fair bit so jupe and uh spike and and me and cooley and all that we're doing a lot of panels and whatnot and uh it was christmas time and i discussed the idea of doing a christmas whole car and i had the idea for it because personally i grew up in a, a less than ideal background and uh i never had too many ideal christmases or great christmas memories and um I'd mentioned it to everybody about the idea I had for, you know, fuck Christmas with uh, in Subway Art there was Happy Holidays by Scene, which was so iconic, and mm. um, Merry Christmas and whatnot, all the great iconic cars, but I just wanted to come at it from a different angle. Also, I've always been anti-corporation and anti-corporate and whatnot, and um, 
the Rattlers at, at that stage were running still, the, when they were stored at Bowen Hills, so they were, they were fairly okay to hit. Mm. We'd been, uh, German Shepherd had been set on us once or twice, paint there. And, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it wasn't that hard to get away. There was a river nearby and whatnot. So, yeah, I spoke to Spike and Jupe. Jupe was down straight away, but Spike Did was, you ever dive in that river? Sorry, I don't remember. No, man, no, 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 no. <laughs> you just mentioned there was a river no, nearby because no, there was, no, surrounding no, Bowen Hills. I know a couple that did, but uh, <laughs> no, I always hit the bridge. You got out And uh, I was always a uh, run for two Ks and hide for four hours yeah. sort of guy, you know. <laughs> Wait till it all died down and come back out again, go to sleep for a while. But um, yeah, we spoke to Spike about it. He didn't want to do it and didn't want to paint anything that negative. I said, hang on, hang on, hang on, man. Has Christmas ever been good to you? And he thought about it for a couple of minutes and he thought, ah, fuck it, yeah, let's do it, fuck Christmas. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, they bashed Santa. So it was the idea that we had That's robbed right. Santa <laughs> and stolen the toys and we are going to deliver them to the hood, so to speak. And, yeah, uh, yeah it ran, ran that day and it was pretty – or ran the next day. It was a pretty cool car. Was it done, what, late December? Oh, uh, yeah, it was done, God, I think it was like a week before Christmas, no yeah, something, like really close. 93, 94? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, it's going back. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I think, yeah, 92, yeah. 92. 92. Yeah, maybe 93. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to ask. Jupe's much smarter than me and uh, remembers much better. And, Shout uh, out to Big Daddy Jupe. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of the, you know, unsung legends of uh, yeah, Brisbane definitely. graffiti. Been painting for a long time, never really stopped and always collected records, always dug his breaks. He schooled me up on breaks when I was a uh, Young guy, I was more sort of a um, reggae slash weirdo uni wannabe sort of collector, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, always, you know, you sort of William Burroughs stuff and yep, yep. anything that was cool like that. And also uh, – Counterculture type stuff. You know? Oh, yeah, just anything that came at it with a different approach in terms of just ideology and a different approach to understanding. And mm -hmm. um, even, you know, like today I, I love uh, what would be considered in a, in a – cliched way world music but anything different where um i've been listening say with butterbeats where i'm in a store eight hours a day it took me a while to realize this but uh, i listen professionally for eight hours a day six days a week for 22 years yes so that's a lot of listening yeah and uh i listen professionally and i listen for fun and like a lot of people i'll have 10 of my favorite records that i'll play for a month but i'll always have 10 that i've never heard yep one of the reasons I – and I, I worked on 4 Z for about four or five years doing the funk show, but I listened to 4 Z, the community radio station in Brisbane, for my whole life just because they play different stuff, man, that I never heard. And, you know, 70% of it I might not like, but yep. maybe uh, for me, for whatever reason, intellectually and just spiritually, I need to hear new music all the time. Yeah. And all different types of music. So um, that's one of the beauties of Butterbeats where uh, when we originally first started, it was a uh, black music specialty store. And over time, it sort of broadened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Butterbeats has definitely become like a purveyor of, um, you know, just many and varied musical styles. You can go in there and fucking dig for just everything from fucking, you know, from like the latest hip-hop release all the way back to some fucking obscure fucking Russian weird prog rock or some shit. You know, you guys have always had some crazy crates in there. Yeah, well, I'm a, I've been a digger my whole life. So I started collecting records from when I was about 11 and I never stopped. And I love pretty much everything about it except maybe sometimes the train spider types that uh, people like myself maybe. But, um, it, you know, I just love fucking covers, man. I love yeah. records. I love listening to new stuff. And as I've done it for longer and longer and longer, as a sort of for a long while a purist in a sense with funk and soul and jazz and hip-hop, um, I fought on you a fair bit and then I realised that many, many countries did those musics as well yeah. and that's what's beautiful about music, the fact that no matter who you are, there's just the, the knowledge is so infinite 
that you can never really be an expert. No, no, no. In dude, a sense. No. You can, but you can't if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You could fucking probably be an expert in specific genres, but there is that many fucking genres and then subgenres that belong to that genre that man, yeah, it's fucking it's in, it's infinite. Yeah, you know? I, I think one of the reasons I say with Aussie hip hop that it's been so cool and collectible in terms of just when you've got that finite number of releases, it kind of makes it cool as a collector. Yep. And, um, you know, you can argue backwards and forwards about bad Aussie hip-hop releases and, and there's plenty of that might be, you know, medium or whatever you want to say, but uh, there's always something in there that's is redeemable or something of interest and um, it, it's worth collecting in a sense if you're into it, you yeah, know. Certainly. Uh, and I know you guys definitely are. So, you know, yeah, preaching to the man. converted here, I think. 100%. And, you know, like, I mean, largely the point of this podcast is, um, you know, is to hear from people such as yourself and MCs, writers, DJs, producers, even the younger generation legends in the making, but the legends that uh, paved the way for things to exist the way they did today. As stated, you already, you like, you put out that compilation, that 183 compilation, when what what other compilation was out maybe culture of kings if that if that had even dropped yet you know like you had a compilation there was maybe one only one other compilation that fucking gave well they gave lot they gave light to fucking there australian Sony thing there was that uh down under by law oh well going back yeah yeah, yeah, yeah of course. That, but you know in terms of actual people in the scene that actually participate <laughs> yeah that's right but you know one thing with with the scene and history is, is I, I, I like to say that there's a, there's a, hundreds of histories in a sense and hundreds and every one of them is valid in a sense and uh, the fans are just as important. The people that bought those releases, the people that went to the gigs, man, people like yourself, you know yep. what I mean, that bloody when it wasn't big, when you go to Hilltops and be 50 people and you could Shit. basically know everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that, that, they, were, they were hard times and they were long times, man. Yep. And yeah. uh, say even like say with Hilltops, man, there was a long time where fucking people didn't care. Exactly, dude. And, and, and ironically, you got you know Aussie hip hop fans that are hating on them for being successful or whatever, but um, which I'm not so into. But uh, yeah, no, me, you know yeah. that, that man. We joked about this previously about it's a hard road for those boys, man. Mm -hmm. Like honestly, no pun intended. <laughs> you know, and uh, for a lot of people, man. And and let me and actually while I remember, let me give a shout out to all the cool cats back in the day that I loved. So first of all, say down in Melbourne, man, Pack and all those dudes. Dude, I wanted, man, I wanted to ask you, did AKA have an impact on you? Like yeah, Ransom course. and Pack and Hell Choice yeah, Cuts. Man. Yeah. Hell yeah, because like I, I went down. And once again, big shout out to Big Daddy Droop. He got a small inheritance when he turned 18. And it was only a couple of grand, man, but uh, me and him organised a little deal where we, we went on a racking trip and uh, he sponsored me and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we went down to Melbourne. We got up to some mischief. And um, I'd previously been to Melbourne um, when I was in Sydney. And it was a funny trip because I'd gone on a racking trip and bombing trip. And I think it might have been 87 or 88 maybe. But uh, Hood... Alexis Maisie, one of the crazy old school original chicks. Big shout out to her okay. and Christabel, amazing girls back in the day for bombing. They actually yeah. got up heaps. And anyway, they were they were dating, and it was a funny trip. And then this little dude, and uh, we got sent back. Actually, ironically, we got caught, and it was man, it was so funny because we'd done a lot of stuff. And then because uh, this kid was so young, he was sixteen, and the cops pulled us up at uh, Flinders Street or something like that. Yeah, took us into the room. 
And uh, they didn't check our bags. We had a bag full of all this stuff, cameras and this and that and paint and whatnot, but they didn't check our bags for some reason. But they sent us back on the angry Anderson bus trip, right? He was helping homeless kids. Fuck off. And I was basically <laughs> homeless at that stage. So I got a free trip back to Sydney on the bus. <laughs> With angry. And I didn't want to get any charges, man. So like, we loved Melbourne back in them yeah, days. Yeah, you know certainly. what I mean? Certainly. And what it was, all the graft dudes back in those days were, were – were, Kind of smarter, cooler dudes, and, and on a on a better level than us. So much so, so coming from Sydney and Brisbane, we're much more crimmy. But like you, you had yeah. mad riders. So say Ransom, who was mad, quintessential b boy. Big big shout outs. He, Phil's been at it forever. Yeah, and uh, mad props. And then like I was always down with Peril and shit. He was mad cool. I stayed at his house as a kid back in uh, I think eighty eight. Mad love Peril for that forever. must have been fucking. That must have been dope. Like well, what it was is all cool and new. Paris, uh, Peril, Ransom, Scott, like all those man. dudes in that era. You well, know? I, I met like New and Tame, I think it was oh, 88. And, and those yeah. they're yeah. all mellow and cool. And yeah. I met Puzzle before he was well known and met him on a train and this and that. And and Melbourne was sort of a bit more united than Sydney. Yeah. Yep. So you back in say 87, 88, man, you'd go to town hall in Sydney. You never knew if you're gonna keep your shoes on. Mm. You didn't know if you were gonna <laughs> get robbed. You honestly didn't. Yeah, and and it. many I remember being down there one time. And a couple of Redfern boys sized us up and I, I knew this guy Jekyll and he had a word to him. So instead of me getting rolled, the other two dudes got rolled. Fuck so they Jesus. lost all their money in their shoes, man. They're standing yeah. at Central Station in their socks. And, uh, you know, there's <laughs> crazy stories. Man, it's real. That shit was real. Yeah, Fuck well, yeah. That's just how it was in Sydney and that's just, you know, that's what it was. But yeah. uh, but Melbourne's heaps cool. So yeah, mad shout outs to all those dudes, but definitely influenced by um, – AKA brothers and all that. And the artwork, man. You oh, know, yeah. Murder did the artwork and he was always light years ahead. So yes, certainly, man. Mad, mad, mad shout out to, yeah. to I've Murder. Approached, I've approached Murder to come on the show, even just to fucking, man, like, you know, obviously the pieces and shit, but just the uh, the straight up records logo and shit like that, like the stuff he did. But would you like, we've spoken on this show in the past about how Melbourne largely, like you just kind of broached just then, you know, Brisbane and Sydney in that era had more of a crim mentality. Well, Melbourne to me being younger and having an outside perspective seemed to define style in this country. Like a lot of styles that would you'd see throughout all the other states seem to start right there in Melbourne. Would you agree? Disagree? Well, it was like this from my point of view, yeah. So Sydney had much more public style, much more simple styles, but Sydney always had Fab Four and those mad writers, mm. so, so Styles yep. and Rosano and all those guys, right? Yep. So they, they were light years ahead for a starter. Yep. Yep. Blaze was always super smart, nice guy, had incredible style from Sydney. And he was mad, yeah. Yes. So and then, then yep. you know, Joker, mad shout out to Joker, Gav, but he Really cool guy, nice guy, mad styles. JC was a mad train rider and this and that. So, you know, Sydney had, had that, him, that yeah. thing going on, yeah? Certainly. But what it was is Melbourne seemed to be almost like being the cultural centre of Australia in a lot of ways and the art centre of Australia in a lot of ways had guys that were influenced by a lot of different stuff and, and just seemed to be working on just that little bit extra layer in terms of their uh, graffiti, mm. if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Um, Dudes in Sydney were smashing out trains all the time. You'd go hang out, you'd meet at Town Hall, and you'd, you'd go down to Lavender Bay, you'd paint a few quick panels. Yep. And then you'd go searching in the afternoon, make some dough, go, you know, hang out a bit more in the evening, do whatever party on or whatever. But uh, Melbourne was deep into to style. Yep, yep. And, and for whatever reason, they've always been deep into style. So mad props to, to all those early dudes. And then, like, when you looked at a new and tame piece, what it was, it was funky and different. It worked on so many different levels and the colours were so good. Melbourne had different colouring schemes. They just 
were, were pretty uh, pretty high tech in a lot of ways, yeah? yeah? The way they could obscure a letter in that era, like, you know, like it was just, yeah, and I mean, you know, everyone had the same influences. And, yeah, I only – I'd say that not to detract anything from what Sydney because, you know, we know that Sydney largely kind of started, like, you know, I think hip-hop largely started in this country, in Sydney more or less, you know, like – Yeah, well, that's where I would argue that there's a 100 different histories Yeah, and someone like, say, Cab – who grew up in country South True. Australia was, was Adelaide. Well, from his point of view, you yeah. know, he started it at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because in his head, he did because he, from his perspective, he did, and that's how you know we all, all us guys sort of saw the same movies. And there's there's dudes at Ipswich that were dropping tags. Yes. And, and but the thing was, what like in in Brisbane, for instance, there was this guy Dom, and he lived out at Carroll Park, and he did a, a rock piece at Oxley, and I dare say that was eighty five, eighty six, yeah. So straight off the up rock cover, and for me that influenced the hell out of me and everybody on the West Line. And Dom did a couple of pieces, then disappeared. Yep. And those dudes' histories are kind of just as valid as everyone's, I guess. And yeah, without so fail. for me, yeah. you know, all the scenes in Australia sort of started at the same time. What it was, though, is Melbourne is such a great city for graffiti. The lines are made for it. Lots of track sides that stay up forever. Lots of spots. Lots of art galleries. And so, yeah, I, I understand in a way where sort of the, the style excellence would, would seem to be Melbourne. But uh, at the same time, though, Brisbane, you know, had guys like Nice and uh, and Hams and those dudes, and and uh, I remember say when Days and Phase Two came to Brisbane, you know, the guys that really stuck with them, interestingly enough, was Haro. Phase mm. absolutely loved Haro. Yeah, and then uh, you know Hams is a joke. I don't know what was it the Diane piece made it into IGT yep. in New York. Yep. Uh, so you know, and then uh, you know uh, Jewel as well, his piece from Melbourne and. Um, yep. And murder. So, yeah, so from an outsider's point of view, for like from overseas cats, and I, I spoke to Days because I hung out with Days. I did a studio um, stay with Days. And from their point of view, uh, they were just surprised that anyone rode overseas. And then when they came, everybody was kind of cool in different ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and put it this way, say the influence of murder, who was so arty in a sense and on such a higher level, really elevated the whole scene in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you had, say, say Fab Four in Sydney, which once again they made it into IGT because they were on such a different level as well, but in such a different way. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Each, each city had its thing going on. Brisbane had its thing going on, man. Yep. That nightmare piece that uh, that Catch and uh, Nice did at, at South Brisbane that was yep. iconic in, in its own way. And yeah, hundred um, percent. Actually, scroll back through our Instagram when we had Catch on. I posted that piece, that piece on the bridge at uh, South Brisbane. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah and Catch, man, mad props. I love that guy. And uh, Hydro Funk, mad shout outs <laughs> to all those dudes. Mad shout outs to, to Jeff. Those guys were highly influential on me. I met uh, Catch, I guess eighty six. I guess they were still riding bikes. Jeff was still riding BMX, and um, Brisbane in those times was so great because everything was new. Every time you painted a wall, it was the first time it got painted. Mm. And then you know, doing yards like I was the second to hit Kingston. It was the second time it ever got hit. First Fuck. to hit Ipswich. First time I ever got hit. And we kind of had it to ourselves in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the new school cats would sort of wonder why we didn't do more. But the problem was, say, for me is because I did a lot and there was only like three dudes doing anything. When anything got done, the cops would come see me. They knew, yeah. So I was still in high school. I'd get called up to the office. I'd see the cop car in the bloody Fuck. car park and I'd just leg it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and bloody, yeah, well, that happened too many times and this yeah. and that. And um, 
So yeah, because you know, say nowadays, shit, man, how many guys are doing trains? Shit, every every three months there's some new dude pop up, bangs yeah. out 30, 40 yeah. panels, yeah. gets on Instagram, gets his yeah. and get, he's the next supposed panel king of that city, you know. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And those yeah. dudes are all valid, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, you know, that, that's all cool. And it, it, yeah, it's a different world though, too. Because yeah. uh But it took your generation to to do what you did for those dudes, regardless of their understanding or regardless of their acknowledgement. This is the point of these, like doing, you know, having these kind of interviews and these podcasts is like, man, it's the work that you guys did, those fucking whole cars, man, those fucking trains, those walls, they led to fucking the walls and the whole cars of today. Yeah, well, for, for me, you know, I appreciate what you're saying very much. Hip-hop and and, you know, and a lot of that, uh, I don't necessarily want to say it, but say black culture in general, where it's that whole live-told experience, that whole folklore and that whole, you know, it's like with, with reggae where it's there's a rhythm and then you repeat it and you change it and you repeat it and you change it, that sort of cultural shift or, or participation. I, I like that model. And one thing I loved about hip-hop, like I said earlier on, what was participatory. Mm. So you do it. You'd have your photos, you'd meet people, you'd show them, people get to know you. Um, and and that, that framework that you're talking about of, of for locally, you know, we, we were just sort of replicating in a lot of ways what we had seen on TV. But what was funny, in those days, you'd get a snippet that you'd last on for a year. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, I was painting trains before I saw uh, Subway out or, or Star Wars. And then once I saw those, it just blew my mind and it was like, yeah, wow, okay, fuck. fuck. Yeah. And then um, you sort of sat, sat on those fumes for a few years. Yeah, dude, yeah. And yeah. then eventually, you know. Same as music. You know, remember when we used to get that album? Yeah. That album, man, we are still listening. Man, like I still listen to fucking It Takes a Nation of Millions today. You yeah. know, like, man, it's, you know, I listen to America's Most Wanted. I listen to all those fucking records, you know, Long Live the Cane. Those albums didn't last the week. They last fucking generations, years. You were still playing them fucking four years after the fact, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah there, there was a lot of product coming out, but the stuff that did come out that hit, hit well. Mm. And like, say, in Australia, and, and, and what's interesting is how Europe and Australia's got a lot of parallel histories in a lot of sense. You know, for me, I always say that Rocksteady coming out was the hugest influence in terms of outside of New York getting onto the hip-hop bandwagon because mm. it came as that whole packaged youth culture Young people doing it for themselves. You know, it was all packaged together quite nicely for the tour in a lot of ways. But um, what it was – and I feel a bit sorry for kids because, say, the surplus of information, yeah? Yep. yep. So I, I still participate in Instagram a little bit and every time I turn it on, I sort of have a two-minute limit. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. people wonder why I don't communicate, man. After two minutes, I've seen a hundred wonderful, incredible graffiti artists I've never seen before mm. that blow my mind. I can't take any more in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And say, like, for me, I, I've never downloaded a song yet, really. You know what I mean? I, I got more than enough just coming in through the shop. And, and you know, I always try and get young people to try and, okay, what's cool? I dig shit, blah, 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 blah. I keep, you know, even without product, I'll try and listen. Mm. But there's just a, so much of a surplus now yep. that you don't really have that um, uh, that depth of love, that depth of certain albums where you, you, that album might have been your happy album, your sad album, your angry album. Yep. And, you know, as corny as it might be, some of those early Ice Cube albums had great songs in all different departments or mm. Ice-T or whatever it was yeah, true. Yep. where you could you could get a, you could, you know, shit, man, even LL Cool J, you know, oh, I need love. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, yep. corny as it was, it was mad. Yep. The dude's mad. Yeah. And it was, it was great, LL, man. man LL's the goat to me. Like, he's one of the yeah. goat rappers to have lasted generations, yeah. to, to still be in the game 40 years later. Still like, looks fuck. all right, still healthy. Fucking A. Not anything that 
he's ashamed of, you know. And, yeah, so for me, that shit stuck with you. And that was what was cool. And, like, say for me, Subway Art, man, I know it back to front, inside out. Like, everyone my generation knows it inside out. Whereas now for kids, kids kind of think that they know. Put it this way, and I'm not hating because things change and that's just what it is, but say with festival culture, yeah? Yep. Someone my age, if you like a band, you've seen them every time that they've come to this country. Yeah. And you've seen them in different incarnations, you've seen them at different venues and you had different lifetime experiences. Mm-hmm. Say for kids now they go to a festival, they've got fucking 40 bands to try and see yeah, on yeah. three different stages and they're like ants. Yeah. They go watch Metallica for 10 minutes. All right, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, All right, yeah. done that. Yeah. Take it Chemical off. Brothers are on in the fucking boiler room. Quick, let's yeah. go. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. You know, I'm not saying that's not a valid experience, man, yeah. but it's hectic. Yeah, dude, exactly. And, and, fucking hey. You know, um, for me, and let, let me, I've always liked to be in a person that works. Yep. Right? And I don't really, you know, I'm a bit slack, but I don't go to festivals unless I'm getting paid to go, which might sound horrible, mm. but I enjoy a role where I'm working in some way. Yeah. yeah. And at this age, who wants to go to fucking festivals? I'm the same. Well, like, I'm, I'm like, younger when, than you and I fucking hate festivals at this age. Yeah, like, when I was in my like, 20s and in my teens. I went to a mall. Went yeah, to a mall. you know, you'd, you'd go to a mall, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, for me, I enjoy sitting on the sidelines much more now. Yeah. And I enjoy seeing the mechanisms of how it works, understanding how the industry works, understanding, you know, what's actually going on. Yeah. And. And, um, and and I just uh, you know I, I just like to, to be hustling and, and whatnot and helping too you know I, I've had a job once where I was like driving like um, Lati- uh, Latirix and bloody, you know oh, yeah, uh, yeah yeah you know those guys those and they, that was cool man like yeah. down to Blues Fest years ago nice dudes blah 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 and those sort of roles where you get a deeper sense of the culture and you know like I said before we toured Run DMC we actually got to hang out hang out with those dudes a bit yeah and, and to see them in different roles and yeah. whatnot and yeah. for me i've always like i said before hip-hop's always or used to be a participatory culture yep certainly so even if you were a fan you had to be the nuttiest fucking well not nuttiest but you know you had to know your shit yeah yeah right and people would call you on it yep and you know we, we discussed it in the past and up to the mid 90s there was so many hardcore hip-hop purists still where it was you know it was a valid thing and like a lot of the young people you identify who you are by what you're not or what you, you know the subculture you belong to I, I definitely was a hard hip hop core head for a long time. Even though, say, within the scene, because I went to uni and I listened to other stuff, people would look at me kind of differently in yeah, a way because yeah. I was never, the, 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 you know. Anyway, but yeah, um, you never. You, I know exactly what you're saying because yeah, I, I went to uni as a mature age student, and you know, as we were just speaking, I just fucking did my first class back this morning as of this interview, and um, fucking you know, after an 18 month deferral, two year deferral, but going into uni, even as a mature age student you like regardless of being the mature age student you do feel different being that you are that head you are that hip-hop head you do have that i, I just i get what you're saying there i get what you're yeah, saying yeah say for me like i was one of the first guys in australia to go to uni for and doing graph yeah yeah so i first went to uni as a mature age student uh i guess it was 92 and i uh, did my bachelor of visual arts but what i did and this is kind of, a, we've discussed it in the past where I've got a kind of a nature Libra. I'm of a Libra star sign, not that I'm into horoscopes, but uh, <laughs> I always see the binary. You always try and see both sides. I believe that anyone that's intelligent can argue both sides of any argument that and, and win either side if they're smart enough, yep. no matter what it is. Yep. And then, um, so anyway, yeah, I went to uni, but I just kept my graph part quiet, man. I was mm. out doing trains at night time and going to uni for eight hours a day. And, and what it was for me, though, too, I... Came from a working class single mum, housing commission background, and I wanted to try and meet some normal people, man. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And what was ironic was in my life, it took me a long while to realize who I was and where I was from and how other people saw me. And it's very rare that you'll actually sit down with another person where they'll critique you. Yeah, yeah, and one of the good things with uni, sometimes not so much anymore, but you used to get a good critique. Yes, certainly. And uh, so especially with the visual arts where it's like, okay, what, what are you on about? What, what's going on in your head? Yeah. And uh, for me, I love that time to, and you know, I end up doing my master's and whatnot, um, just getting time to think, to read, to actually think, what am I on about? Mm. I'd always known that I didn't want to be just a sheep, a worker Joe, yeah. you know, yeah. blah, 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 and yeah. um, some space for me where it was also like, and it's that's a topical word at the moment, but a safe space. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where I, as a visual artist, I could, you know, play with poo if I wanted to. Yeah. And, yeah, and they yeah. would go great. Yeah. You're working with abject objects. You're yeah. rejecting bloody corporate society. Various medium. Yeah, fucking, yeah, you know, you know, like, you know, As long yeah. as you can, if, you know, you, and I, I love a bit of French theory and I love a bit of that sort of stuff and uh, I find it informs my understanding um, all that sort of post-structuralist sort of stuff. Uh, we discussed it in the past where I came from an early Marxist point of view, although um, as discussed previously uh, in terms of, Politics, I don't believe in the whole left-right binary, yep. that whole Labor left, you know, Democrat, Republican, yep. US Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, 80 million. Red, blue, right, left, fucking you blah, know, blah, 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 it's blah. It's all Labor, corny, liberal, man. Fucking, yeah, They're all 100%. millionaires, kids that are bloody going to the They're same They're all the same corporation with different CEOs. You know, did Trump, you find – Did you? sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah, yeah. but did you – before we go on like any yeah, sort yeah, of political uni, tent, yep, but yep. did you find um, university uh, kind of harboured and uh, well, largely an extension of your creativity where Whereas I kind of see university now as being uh, you have to fit a mould and they're kind of churning you out into a specific frame of mind. Back then was university more of a um, – more, more like, you know, like it's still an extension of creativity. Like you, your, your creativity is largely, um, you know, challenged and whatever, but you appear to be challenged into a specific mind frame or mindset. In that era, was it the same? So what it is is, A, I advise education for anyone and the beautiful thing now with YouTube and that you can get it for free. Yeah. B, uh, I think what you're getting at is kind of, say in the visual arts back then, 100% now where it's the business of the visual arts and okay. all universities are about the business of yep, yep. rather than when I, I, I got the last of the whole you can hang out for eight hours a day and just look at your, your your belly button if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as at the end of it you got a good spiel of what you're doing. Yeah. And if you wanted to sit in a gallery for a week and look at your belly button, you're a genius. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um, and that's that was cool, you know what I mean? Whereas now, it, and but what it was in terms of being an artist was the worst thing I ever did. Because okay. when I entered uni, I was doing a lot more uh, community projects, a lot more just private commissions and whatnot. And uh, I was making more money. Mm. And at the end of the sort of seven years – I had become so deeply involved in, say, like leftist politics and whatnot where I didn't want to produce anything because whatever you produce becomes uh, – the, the capitalist system takes it and, and turns it into an object. Certainly. And if you look at the French philosopher Baudrillard, he, he would say that – and he's a heavy post-Marxist, post blah, blah, blah – that, uh, say, the art world, the hyperinflated prices is a way that um, – that real people can understand that capitalism's a whole myth and just it's imaginary. Almost, well, it's just like, that it's imaginary. Yeah. That if one painting yeah. can be worth fifty million dollars, that capitalism's just imaginary, yeah, or just yeah. it's all you know, you know, make believe system. We all protect, you know, we all believe in it in a sense. But anyway, point being is, I just uh, it gets too heavy, man. And then say you know you look at an, uh, I used to paint pictures of people and stuff, and then when you've done too much uni. 
you start to get all these different angles. Yeah. Should I be telling other people's stories? Should I be doing this? Should yeah. I be doing that? Yeah. You know, politically, could I be doing achieving more work if I, you know, and I'd, I'd done a lot of work with the Aboriginal community and whatnot, and I had some success with that community, but I can see how that would be a pathway for the rest of my life in terms yeah. of um, projects. And then what are you really doing? Uh, you know, once you start thinking too much from a lefty point of view, it, it becomes a real rabbit hole. Yeah, fucking A. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Dude, like just speaking of uni, let's go back a a little bit. Like, you know, let's just touch on your upbringing a little bit Mm. because knowing your, you know, knowing uh, a certain amount about you, like you went to 14 schools. The fact that you got yourself to university as a mature age student, um, have completed a master's, have like it's quite like that's a fucking achievement within itself coming from your background, like from my perspective anyway, 14 different schools. I mean, dude, can you break it break it down yeah, for us? I mean, you came from Sydney to Brisbane? Yeah, so basically in a, quickly. And, and, and like a lot of people out there that are listening right now, man, none of us really had perfect lives. So basically uh, my mum's one of that sort of generation, had me when she was sort of just turning 18, split up from my father when I was one. We went to mum's second husband in Mount Tom Price, which is a mining town in WA. Uh, for a period in her life, he was an abusive male and did a lot of uncool stuff. And I, I witnessed my first toxic masculinity. That yeah. was, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So anyway, basically. Before yeah. that term even fucking. Yeah, yeah it was even, man, uh, for real. Toxic you know, masculinity, yeah. You know, bashing and <laughs> all that shit. Anyway, bloody. Uh, so, you know, every boyfriend knew town, every husband knew town, lots of different schools. Uh, every school you get bullied because you're the new kid. Every school when you got a bit older, the girls would like you because you're you're new. Blah 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 blah. So I developed a uh, tough skin in mm. a lot of ways, and I learnt unfortunately because school was a lot different in my time. You know, there, there was fights at the back of the school ground every day. You know what yeah. I mean? That's just how it was, man. But <laughs> yep. um, whereas now, it, 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 see, the, 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 a lot of that stuff's a lot more subversive now. Yeah, yeah, certainly. and a lot heavier. So that so. Anyway, I won't get into that too much because I've got kids, but um, mm. the bullying's so different to what it used to be in yep. a lot of ways, but a lot worse in a lot of ways. But anyway, yeah, so um, by the time I was eight, man, I knew I was going to get locked up and go to uni for whatever reason. You're aware, I just man. fucking knew. It, it, and, and it's funny because I've met junkies before and they know when they're 12, man, or whatever it is. They just know in their personality that they want to go down that path. Ooh. And for whatever reason, I've always loved both sides of life. Yes, Always, man. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love it. I've been in tunnels in Brisbane in the drains, you know, 20 metres down painting and graffiti. I've been in New York train tunnels painting graffiti. I've, I've, one of the funniest things, I was in LA painting trains with this famous graffiti guy, uh, Hex, and this other legend skate, RIP. I seen a homeless dude with feelers on living underneath the tunnel, <laughs> and I was going to roll him because he had better shoes than me. <laughs> so uh, I thought, no, that's not quite right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But bloody. So anyway, I've seen both sides of life, and I've loved yeah. it. You know what I mean? And um, I advise it for anybody. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and what it is, too, is that beyond everything, I, my father's side of the family was much more middle class than normal. And um, one of my, the greatest frustrations in my life has been that idea that I could have been middle class or upper middle class. And, and like a lot of heavy lefties, there's a lot of envy involved. Yep. And there's a lot of wanting to reset the economic tables, hoping somehow you can lift yourself. Mm-hmm. But uh, unfortunately, the reality of all those takeovers never quite worked the way that it's intended. And all that happens is you get a new set of bloody uh, privileged, you know, yeah, you know, leaders or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
But yeah, so yeah, for, for me, uni was fun, and and also. When I was 12, man, moving to so many schools and shit, I was already reading shit, you know, Thomas Harris, MD, I'm okay, you okay, mm. trying to get some sort of psychological grip on what was going on. And um, What was you know, the book you discovered at a young age? What was that, uh, The Knife and the... So there was one of the things when I was about eight, so I've always been a heavy reader, and it's one of the, heavy, the most important things to be able to do. If you want to, ever want to help yourself get out of your situation, just read. Fucking A, read. Just read, man. Read. read as much stuff as you can. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't. You know, <laughs> and, and let me say this, man. I'm, I'm an old school where I think you should read the crazy bad stuff just as much as the, yeah. the good stuff. Yeah, you And just to get an understanding of how these things, you know, shit, yeah. man. I, I, you know, I, I, the Unibomber, I read what he had to say, you know yeah, what I mean? It doesn't yeah, yeah. turn me into a Unibomber, you yeah. know what I mean? That manifesto or whatever. The, yeah, yeah, crazy, wild, yeah. smart dude in a lot of ways. He was yeah. hip to the game, man. Yeah. The old MK Ultra. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real as. Yeah, of course. Real as. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, yeah, so the, the book that you're referring to is when I was about eight, my grandmother, who was a, a pretty heavy Christian lady, gave me the cross and the switchblade. Oh, the cross and the switch, yeah. yeah. And that was about New York game culture where a white minister moves to New York and he tries to help the locals and from my point of view when he was describing these horrible teenage parties where he'd paid 10 cents to go to a basement mm. and they'd be have, listening to funk music having sex smoking joints and all that stuff that sounded pretty cool to me yes yep. and I certainly didn't identify with the white minister yeah, and for whatever reason I dug it man and I always dug New York grimy and I've, I've, I've lived in a squat for about six months in New York and Cypress Ave, a big shout out to Kemi and Sento and, and a good mate of mine, Shark and whatnot. And, um, you know, I've just dug the other side of life. And, and to be truthful, my mum had convinced us that we were middle class. Yeah. And it yeah. took me a long while to realise that we weren't. Yeah. So there was also that resentment where there was, you know, I just hate fakeness and I hate lies and I hate bullshit and um, like most I, people, but, you know. I think it's less that you um, you had an interest in that the opposite side of life and more that you lived it. You lived it yourself. Or, you know, that's... Yeah, that. but say like 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 a lot of hip-hop fans, and, and don't get me wrong, this is probably not going to be worded perfectly, mm. but a lot of us people sort of fetish this particular style of black culture, yeah? Yep. yep. And it took me a little while to realise that and to have a greater appreciation of the diversity of, of perspectives in, in different cultures. Mm. But uh, we discussed it previously, there's a friend of mine from uh, Nasford, small little town in Europe, and he painted, white guy, and he painted uh, pictures of, of black gangsters all the time. CMP. CMP. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, uh, I asked him about it once, and I said, oh, why don't you ever paint teachers? Or, and he said, oh, I don't like, I just like these, these style characters. I mm. said, well, you know, you're promoting this particular view of people, you know yep. what I mean? And he said, look, I never really thought about it like that, but I, I, I'm just a fan of that sort of looking thing. Yeah, and yeah. I must admit, as someone into graffiti and hip-hop, I always like those as b-boy characters, That's and right. I always like that sort of looking thing. Yep. Graffiti was always had a diversity though that was cool with imagery and characters and whatnot um but yeah i was always attracted to um and you know i, I like a lot of black culture in, in, in a lot of different ways and i and for me i just the coolest music as a kid man like i, I dug punk for a while but it sort of went into a one-way street pretty quick yeah and i always dug a bit of the weirdo stuff sort of like you know, when i was a kid 77 to sort of 85 but as soon as i heard grandmaster flash man that was it it was the, the light switched on for me yeah and, and, and even blondie rapture it sort of half switched on then yeah but yeah i was at a party in penrith of all places 1982 or whatever it was and i heard grandmaster flash man that was wow. it wow yeah it was yeah. just 
life was never, you know. Never the same. Yeah, yeah well, you know, you, yeah. And like a lot of people my generation, that was, you know, we yeah. all kind of, and what the thing was that unites us all, and, and, and even say general culture, people my age, yeah, what I, what I kind of miss, and I don't want to sort of reminisce about some perfect time or whatever, but um, we all grew up watching Countdown. Yeah, yeah. So we, we're all united by the same musical experiences of people my age in this country, yeah? Yeah. In the same way, say, in Britain, you might have watched Top of the Pops. Mm. So yep. you've all experienced, you know, certain bands and, and different genres or whatnot. Um, so, you know, we, we all sort of grew up in the same hip-hop culture. Yep. And we've discussed it a little bit in the past where, unfortunately, say, in Australia now, we've well, got like three different hip-hop cultures in mm. a way, or mm. if you mm. know what I mean. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I'm a little bit saddened that's, that, the, you know, it's, it's – not more all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I think it's also, you know, like what um, we were kind of referring to earlier, almost that saturation that there is that much coming out now that it does split into j- subgenres of the actual genre. And, you know, there is that much there now to consume that it's, you know, I mean, you wouldn't say homogenized because everyone's kind of doing their own thing still. But when, even when I came up, like, you know, being a teenager of the 90s and shit like that, like, man, like, there wasn't that saturation. You were on every release. You know, I suppose we we're kind of just talking about this, but yeah, it was fucking, like, yeah, I get what you're saying, man. To hear fucking that shit in that era when it dropped, you know, and I mean, Rapture, Lee, Fab Five Freddy, all those in the video. Yeah, well, like, like, you know, and, and say everyone in Brisbane, or you say in Australia, man, we all had kind of the same experience yes. yeah yep. you know we'd go to central station or we'd go to like rocking horse back in the day or or dance music big shout out to a friend of mine dj betty um you know and you just look at the album covers half the time yeah, i was yeah. probably man i couldn't afford them yes yeah, certainly and uh you know dudes like cats that were smart and dj'd and and you know he, he'd buy the records and um and, you know we'd go around his house and he'd play records for us man that was half you know for years people would just go around catch's house just to hear the new music. Hear yeah, have a chuff and buddy listen to records, yeah. man. There's nothing yeah. fucking cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and dude, yeah. Had, you know, Catch had like back in those days too, <laughs> say, uh, 87, 88, he had the first sort of Sydney guys coming up. So yeah. Styles, Teen, Tito, all those really inspiring, really great stylists, pretty crazy guys was you know, hanging out at Catch's. So we'd mm. all meet there. And even, you know, Patrick Tudor, who I once, a big shout out to him, I didn't mention him before. He was one of the most influential Graffiti artist from Sydney back in the day, and a real proper artist in a okay. lot of ways, and was working a lot of different angles. His stuff turned up on the Factory TV show for anyone that's familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, Cats, man, he, like he, you know, so records were a big deal. And say from my point of view, I've always collected graffiti cover albums. Yeah, yeah. like I collected different, a lot of different records, but everything with a graffiti cover, I collect. Yep. If it's a rock band, if it's some weird. German prog record, I don't care, Mobus, whatever it is. It's got a graph cover, I'll collect it. Yep. Anyway, um, in those days, they informed style. And say for everyone around the world, the influence of, say, the Duck Rock album. Yeah, yeah certainly. And also Dozer's letter frame for the Rocksteady album covers. Yep. Every country in the world's got those letter frames. Yep. And yep. it all comes down to those records. Yep. And to me, that's immensely interesting because um, – Doze is a great artist and, and, and really interesting writer. Dondi was a great artist who did the Doc Rock stuff. And um, I'm actually just writing at the moment uh, a book, basically a book, on, a book on style where I'm just discussing a lot of that stuff in terms of just trying to trace before the last of the New York graffiti writers uh, die from old age and whatnot, who did what in a sense, yeah? Mm, so who mm. was the first guy to do top to bottom? Who was the first guy? To do cloud, who was the first dude to do checkerboard cloud? Who was, you know, all that sort of kind Fuck, of. That must be like an undertaking, man. That must be, you know. Yeah, what it is? I don't sleep good, man. I I, I did a record book one time, yeah. So, 
Data entry is my least favourite thing to do on the planet, yeah? <laughs> yeah? So for whatever reason, I was trying to learn about Australian records and I spent three years putting together a 9,000 uh, 9, entry, every Australian record by an Australian artist over $15. Fuck. So I put together a book, well, it was a price guide. Yeah. And also it had a description of the record, the label, the year, you know, the, the, the pressing number and all that sort of stuff. So I'd wake up and, uh, you know, do an hour or two of that and I'd go straight back to sleep for a couple more hours, yeah? yeah? yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed keeping my mind active and doing projects. Yeah. And um, for everybody out there, man, if you just keep it positive and just have a project no matter what it is. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Like, buddy, and then, you know, just keep working on the next project. That's and, it. That's it. You know? Yeah, stay fucking motivated, stay ambitious, you know. Like I know like my earliest memories of hip-hop being my age, I remember seeing Fight for Your Right to Party. That's my first cognitive memory of – Hip hop music, and I remember seeing it on Rage. But then following that, I remember seeing um, like Buffalo Girls and shit like that. And I recommend seeing those videos in what would have been the fucking late 80s by that stage. Like it almost predetermined, like it was just so fucking, it was subversive. It was fucking so everything. It was just like, what the fuck did I just see? How do I see it again? You know, obviously, we're talking about a time far fucking before YouTube and all that sort of shit. Like, how do I see that again? What was that? Like, you know, like, man, seeing that shit in that era was just fucking, yeah, it just predetermined your path in life almost, man. It was like, yeah, yeah well, I, 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 this is what I am. This is who I am, you know? Yeah, well, say for me, I, I wanted to be an active participant, so I went to New York early on. And, yeah, um, you did. You went to New York in 92? Yeah, 92 is the first time. So, had you, Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Had yeah. you started your degree prior or when no, you came back? No, no. Oh, hang on. Let me just remember. Um, shit. Uh, I don't think I had. So, yeah, I was, still, I was still just running wild, racking for a living, all that sort of stuff, and I didn't have a job. You know, I've only, I've only ever really worked for myself except for once when I was a kid. I worked at Grace Brothers, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. once when I got out, I worked at a servo. I was there for a week, and then they wanted me to, to – they trusted me so much, they wanted me to take the bankings to the bank, and I just – I walked off. I didn't trust myself or my <laughs> mates. So that's the two jobs I worked for anyone yeah. else pretty much. I worked as a cleaner when I was 15, 16. And Grace just, Brothers became Maya, I think. For uh, something listening. like that. Something yeah, like well, that. see, actually, here's one of the worst, most interesting lessons in life, yeah? So I had moved to Sydney, 85. I've been kicked out of home. I was staying with my grandmother, and my – Granddad's second wife was cashed up, yeah? She'd yeah. come from a good family. They'd been worth a bit. She'd inherited a bit. Anyway, I couldn't get any work and I was looking for work and I didn't know anyone, blah, blah, blah. I mentioned it to her. She said to me, I'll oh, go see such and such at Grace Brothers. Mm. Anyway, I've gone up to Grace Brothers and um, I've said, oh, look, I want work. They've said, look, there's no work here for Christmas. We've already selected everyone. I've said, hey, listen, buddy, my grandmother told me to tell such and such. Yeah. Next thing I know, I've had a two-minute chat to such and such, and then I got the job. Fuck. So early on, I realised it's all who you know, that you yeah, know, exactly. all that sort of stuff. Yeah? yeah, yeah. And that's been a frustration in a way too. So I've always wanted to make my own path rather than sort of having to climb the corporate yeah. cogs or you yeah, know, certainly. blah 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 blah. Certainly. Anyway. Um, Oh, where we're at, we're talking about well, Grace um, Brothers. Uh, yeah, I mean, Grace Brothers for those listening was a department store, wasn't it? You know, like, yeah, I think well, it turned into Meyer or something. Yeah, later on, yeah, something you know? like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just well, to give some context to the one job or one or two, one of the two jobs you had. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, New York '92. I'd scored <laughs> some cash. Um, I was lucky doing some stuff, and then um, instantly went to New York. I had 
2200 uh, that was including my train ticket. I hopped off the plane, didn't know anyone. And what was funny in those days, you know, there's only pay phones and whatnot like mm. that. And as soon as I get off the plane, there's dudes spruiking, come stay with me, come stay with me, yeah? Mm. So I was pretty naive and it's like, it's like, whoa, this is pretty heavy, man. All yeah. these dudes saying, come stay with me. I didn't realise it was like for backpackers and shit yeah, necessarily, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, I ended up at Venice Beach backpacking, running into a guy with graffiti on his skateboard, Talk to him. Next thing I'm hanging out with Slick and Dan. So in LA, LA. Yeah, LA yep. 92. They were painting, um, I think if I remember rightly, Sylvester Stallone had a studio. Wow. And they will painting some crazy cool graffiti. Yeah. Uh, mad props to Hex, Slick, Risky, all those dudes from LA, Power. Slick went on to start This Is It Clothing and all that yeah, sort of exactly, shit. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and yeah. he's a huge and interesting. He started Fucked. Yeah, So he fuck, had the T-shirt yeah. company, then Rocco had the skateboard was company. Slicks, was it? Yeah, Slick no and shit. Dan, the guys okay. that did the Far Side yeah. cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they started yeah. Fucked, and yeah. then they did a company called Shaolin after that. But okay. what it was is Rocco was taking them to court and then ended up buying them out because they're both the same Do you name. One? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I went to LA, hung out, and then I met Hex, then I met Lumet from Germany, and we did some trains over there, just freight trains, this and that. Then I drove, I bought Hex's, I uh, sorry, bought Lumet's car, drove from uh, LA to New York. And then I met Poem because Lumet gave me Poem's contact, so it worked out perfect. And Poem was doing heaps of trains at that stage and Poem's one of the coolest guys ever, so I hung out with him, stayed with him, painted a bunch of trains. And I guess, yeah, that was, I was the first dude to paint running trains in New York. Um, Jewel and all that had been there previously a couple of years earlier, painted the scrapyards out mm. of Brooklyn. And that sort of, that inspired me. Joker had been to New York in the 80s with his parents and took photos, so that inspired me. Yeah. But yeah, I just jumped off not knowing anyone. I think I painted like seven trains that year in, in New York and, and that was cool. Then I went back the next year and then I was in uni that year. I stayed in a squat with uh, Cammy from, from Spain who's a cool reggae DJ, really cool guy. And yeah, we stayed in the squat, man. And then uh, Shark from Germany was hanging out and hanging out with Sento heaps. Yeah, wow. And from a graffiti point of view, Sento is one of my big inspirations. Yeah. Approaches it from a whole different angle and and and, and conceptually is on different wavelengths. Yeah. And uh, one, one of the things I was trying to say before about hip hop culture is where it's one of those cultures that it names its past and always acknowledges its past. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes or it sense. should. It should. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think to, it's anyway. less and less these days. That's the thing to me. You know. I, I yeah. don't. I don't know. I think it's. I think hip hop is acknowledging its past less and less now. I don't know. I don't know. Well, what's funny is say, it's almost like it's ashamed of its past. Almost in a way, it's like, now nah, we're doing this today. This is, you know, like hip hop now seems to be about the future. It's like, now nah, my shit's twenty. You know, I'm on some twenty twenty five shit rather than being like, nah, man, I'm on some ninety four shit. You know, like it's just, I don't know. It's it's almost dismissive of its past now, whereas it always did acknowledge its past. It always did. But yeah, well, less so these days. Perhaps you could think about it in these terms. Is if, if you're like, one, I, let, let, let's, I don't want to take a harsh decision on If you're shit, why the hell would you want to get reminded about Rakim and Big Daddy Kane? <laughs> yeah, fucking A, dude. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, if you're yeah. going gummy, 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 yeah, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, if you're the, on your ABCs, man, you don't you want to be reminded I mean? of like, honestly, and Kane. Last, you know, yeah, hundred percent. And if your beats are preset trap beats from a bloody fruity loops or whatever it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've used those programs. We've all used those yeah. programs, man. Yeah. Once you know how to do those those drums, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. There's not a whole lot to it, yeah. 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 So maybe perhaps in in five percent or whatever it is, perhaps that's part of it, mm, yeah. Mm, um, mm. in the same way too, I guess Aussie hip hop's a lot like that in a way. Exactly. Um, nowadays. Yeah, I don't know. Like a lot of kids, just it, it's it's that whole this is now, this is now, which is cool. That's always the way of youth culture. Yeah. Um, 
but even in the day, say in the early 80s stuff, the, you know, they'd always shout out the Rudy Ray Moores, always. the Dolomites, that yep. all, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, and, yep. and when, and, and this is one thing that I've noticed is that, say, when you did copy someone's lyric, you'd always give them a sly shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or it was a funny way of either dissing them or, or praising them. Yeah. But it was always acknowledged in a, in a way rather than now where shit's just ripped and no one realizes and no one cares. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know. Yeah. But being in New York in 92, dude, how was the culture of that city at the time? Like, were you so, do, like you were immersed largely maybe in the graph and whatever, but were you he- hearing the music? Like, how was, how was New York in 92, man? Yeah, okay. Well, so, so for instance, a lot of things people don't know about me is later on, like, say, 97, I painted for Wu-Tang. Yeah. And um, I did their banner with Wayne and Sabah 7. It was meant for their UK tour and it was used for their North American tour. And and what my point being of, the, of mentioning that is, is New York – is if you want to participate, it's a great city, mm. right? Mm. And one thing about me, I've always tried to make sure I'm productive. So I had, had skills, yeah? yeah. And I, I've got friends in New York that I, what I love about New York, and I hate about it, but at the same time it's cool, is hey, is there some use value for you? Can I network? Can I, yeah. can, can I bounce off you in some way? Can we yeah. do something? Can we make a buck? And I like that. Because from my point of view, man, I'm, I'm not. The, I've never been the dude sitting around sucking on a bong mm. with the same five dudes, mm. right? Mm. That shit bores me. You know yep. what I mean? And um, in New York, I'm down with say Wayne and Wen and from Children of the Destruction, and they were down. You know, they had their little hip hop thing. Well, not little, but they had their hip hop thing going for a while. Whips and all those dudes, and and so they had their their rap crew, and then and everyone's got their connections, man. Like, show, put it this way, fuck. When I was in New York in '92, man. Fat Joe was still Joey Crack. Yeah, dude. And he was up everywhere, man. Yeah. And he was yeah. on the fucking rooftops. Yeah. So when I first heard him rap, I was like, get, you know, yeah. this fucking dude's a nut. So you Be- saw, you, you saw like crack pieces and all that sort of shit on in the that rooftops, era by Joey. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Everywhere, man. If you were in the Bronx, man, you knew Joey Crack. Yeah. It was, yep. there was everywhere. And what yep. it was is like, say TAT was such a heavily influential crew and they're so respected around the world. A lot of people like myself had gone to New York to actually try and meet TAT. And for yeah. me, what it is, is like I've, I've painted trains with Scene, I've painted trains with Blade, I've painted with Reese, all these different dudes. I, I've wanted to, 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 to live it and do it. And uh, while I'm a fan, I'm also the sort of cat that says, like, let's do some shit today. Man. Mm. Let's, mm. Let's, let's do something. So um, it was great because you could contact cats. And it was still at that stage where, say, New York people, and the smarter ones, especially, were so interested in making international connects so they could get the hell out. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, uh, for instance, in the early days, uh, people like uh, when I first met Futura, I was hanging out when he was doing Project Dragon and Subway. Yeah, and they were in the Japan because over in Japan, you only need to get a small number of purists and you can make some serious dough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same way, say Tommy T in Norway, he was an early hip hop producer. Yeah, definitely, man. He was cool, but he, he was down with COD. Okay. So it kind of opened up this weird international connect for me. And, you know, like I went to Norway and, and painted some trains, did some racking and all that. And that was through connections with Wayne yep. from the Bronx. Yeah. And uh, so it was like, it was cool, you know, like even to today, like I travel the world and I can stay at people's houses that I don't know, hang out, paint some trains, do whatever. And it's all pretty cool because it's part of this whole sort of cool, you know, what I loved about hip hop, where it was actually, you know, people. His word is bond, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. buddy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the early days are great. So, see, you know, and, and, and let me say this, they like um, 
paying your first train in New York and any rider, you know, back in my day, that was a real badge of honour, man, because you're Fuck. participating to the culture, yeah. giving back to New York, Still to this day, keeping the clean to... train movement going, paying yeah. your respects, doing your dues. Whereas now kids have got 32 countries in Europe ticked off because they've done their, you know, Google Maps, looked at the yards, gone on their international forum, found which yards are easy that are going to run, that you can do, you know, eight-hour yeah. train. You know, so it's a different thing. Not that that's bad, but uh, – The information I, didn't exist exist for you in that era, did it? Like you had to fucking – you had to get out there and feel it for yourself, find it for yourself, meet yeah, those people. Yeah, yeah, and, and funny shit, man. Like say dumb stories, like say 92. I remember a famous guy that did MZ, so From Here to Fame magazine, Zebster, right? Yeah. Early graffiti writer, props him for going on New York doing trains. And there were, and this is politically incorrect, but there was a store in the Bronx called Jumans and mm -hmm. they sold shoes. And oh. they still had Dude, did you go to the Jew yeah, Jew Man? Yeah, man. I bought shoes there, but what it was oh. is because I'm a huge sneaker fan, man. Yeah, and I've been yeah. hearing about Jew Man, like just being a sneaker dude. Yeah, okay. You hear about Jew Man yeah, fucking, okay, yeah. you know, like So wow. Zem said being there, right? But he had bought every fucking pair that was like seven to twelves. Yeah. So this guy still had thirteens left. Yeah. A couple of other pairs, yeah. But, um, man, in those days you could pick up free New York subway, make, bring them back and sell them for 10 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone's so fixated on New York. And say 92, you, you know, say LA was cool, man, but say, you know, if you're into your hip-hop, you, you know, that whole LA, New York thing was a big thing. And yeah. um, so I went to both. But, uh, you know, I don't know about you. I think you liked your New York a little bit more than your well, LA in a lot of ways. Man, yeah? I'll be, well, I'll be honest. I largely grew up on what was what would today be considered regional rap. So I loved LA, Houston. I loved all that fucking sort of confrontational fucking e gangster rap. And man, all that shit, yeah. you know, like even just the just the basics, you know, Ice-T, King-T, Ice Cube, NWA, but then the Ghetto Boys, the Convict the blah, blah, blahs. And then as it went into the 90s, that's when I got into, you know, because there was the chronic, you know. I'm, I'm fucking 12 years old when the chronic drops. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm 13 when fucking Snoop drops Doggy Style and it's the biggest album on earth, you know. So I got into the New York shit off that. But then, you know, in saying that, no, nah, it was all it all walked hand in hand because I was into EPMD, I was into Run DMC, I was into Public Enemy, and then I was into fucking the Ghetto Boys and the fucking whatever. So it was kind of it was all much it was it wasn't it, it wasn't the East Coast, West Coast yet. It was fucking hip hop. It was just rap music, you know, mm -hmm. largely. But mm -hmm. then as things progress, yeah, it does I do definitely lean towards New York rap. Mm, yeah. Without mm, fail. Mm. Today, hundred percent. Mm. You know, my favorite rappers, yeah, like yeah, no, because that's what I often I often tell people was just it was kind of all hip hop even into the nineties, man. Like when the Far Side come out of you know we just mentioned the Far Side when they come out with Bizarre Ride, there's fucking Diamond D doing stunts, blunts, and hip hop. You're listening to it fucking all, man. Yeah, you so know he's got a one track mind. All that oh, stuff is so man. cool, man. You know, and the thing is, too, say here's here's one thing. Say for older cats, where it was still that sort of break orientated hip-hop, yeah? Yep, yep. And for me, I, I, I make beats. I've never really released anything or whatever, but I just love a, a nice loop, some some boom bap, a little bit of this and that. You know, that shit yeah. amuses me for days, and I love hearing really cool breaks. I yeah, just, me too. I, me too. And all that, like I said before, all that chappy stuff, yeah, that's cool, but for me it just doesn't really have the same 70s soul mm. vibe once again. And once again, that's that whole shouting out culture of, yeah, yeah. of repeating previous stories that I really dig. And say with trap beats, man, I, I work with computers all the time. It just doesn't interest me. It doesn't thing. interest. I'm, I'm, you know? I'm, I'm much the same, man. I think you can make a great beat just with a computer, but there is still so much to to discover on records. It yeah. doesn't need to be, you know, it doesn't even need to be fucking boom bap rap, you know, boom bap 
you know, that according to fucking whatever description of boom bap definition, you know, like I think there's still so much to be discovered in records. There's records out there that people still haven't found that still haven't been sampled, you know, like the fucking James Browns are done and dusted, the Bob Jameses, the this and that. But, man, there's still so many fucking records out there. There's still so much to discover and I think that's half the fucking half yeah, the fun it of it. Digging. Yeah, it's digging, man. It's, what's, you know. what's always interesting to me though, and, and I agree and say, say James Brown, you know, JB's breaks, they're all being played out. Mm. But what I love about hip hop is when you hear an old break reused again. Re Reinterpreted, you know? 100%. And, and like yeah. say, and my daughter, I school her up on hip hop and she kind of, like I'll play her some Schooly D and she's it's just too stripped back, it's too 808, it's yeah, too, yeah. you know, there's not enough in there for yeah. her, yeah. Hard as nails though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's stuff mm. I grew up on, man, and yeah. I love all that shit big time. Anyway, um, uh, my, but uh, say Missy Elliott, yeah, and I, I love it because it's great production, great, she's cool, blah, 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 fun stuff. But my kid can really dig that stuff. Yeah. Now I'll play her the samples and all that and she's kind of half interested or whatever. But um, so, yeah, I, I dig that sort of repeated story idea. Mm. And for me, even the And cheesy, even Missy reinterpreted fucking Peter Piper, you know. Like, that's my point. You know? That's my yeah. point. It's such a played out break. <laughs> yeah. You rehear it and guess what? It get, if, if you're a good artist and say you got a good rap over it, it can it reinvigorate it. Yeah. 100%. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, you know. People, you know, juicy beat, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that gets reused. That's cool, you know, yeah. because for us in Australia, we think it's great that a Aussie guy used the juicy beat, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, cheesy, but it's fun, you know, yeah. blah 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 blah. Yeah. So you know, that's one thing. With for me, the whole thing's not over in terms of just that break lead sampling hip hop style stuff, and uh, that's that's what I dig anyway. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I try and listen to different stuff and try and you know, one thing with butter beats, we always try and. You know, get new stuff in and, and um, embrace what's new. Mm. There is a lot of stuff coming out, so it does make it hard and it's sure as hell hard to listen to everything. That's for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, impossible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's why we always ask customers, though. Bloody. Particularly if you're trying to stay up on a fucking SoundCloud or a Bandcamp or something like that. Well, like, I just never do. You just can't. I've it's... never been on SoundCloud in my life, man. Not true. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. unless people are releasing, like, tangible music, a CD or a fucking tape or a, a record, like, it, man, it's just so fucking hard to stay up on this song, this song. Song, this song that's just getting released to a fucking SoundCloud or a Bandcamp. It's like, a singles market, man. It is a singles-driven market, man. Like, people don't have that fucking attention span, you know? Like, yeah. Well, this is the thing that's crazy, too. Say someone like myself that looks backwards, you can go on the YouTube and it's, it's becoming infinite because as it goes further, you got more countries finding stuff that was rare, putting mm. it out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for, for those, you know, everyone that likes looking at beats on the internet, you know, that guy Vinyl Archaeology, there's a million different dudes doing it, where you, it's fucking crazy all these Turkish records you never heard yeah, of and yeah. you plug in next week and there's 10 new records that you've never heard of and like you mentioned before with Russian breaks yeah. man they're, they're putting records out on x-rays in the early 80s in Russia wow, I know man. a guy that collects synth stuff and he collects x-ray records man because he's collected wow. everything else wow you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. and even what he does they could bypass the government by yeah 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 yes yeah. put they it straight on the x-ray plate they weren't allowed western music yeah if so yeah, yeah. yeah. They weren't allowed to put, wear a pair of fucking Levi's in Russia yeah. until fucking, what, like 2000 yeah. or something like that, you know? Like, yeah, you know, American thing. imperialism or whatever. But, but, dude, listen, can you take us back to, like, you know, like we're sort of, we'll go everywhere, this is how this shit goes. But um, before ACR, before that, there was the Renegades of Art. Okay. Yourself, Price. Yeah, so what it was, say, in Brisbane from my point of view, uh, I came to Brisbane in 85, I, I or 80, shit, earlier actually, sorry. Uh, I was hanging out with Jeff Boardman Jaffa mm. and his brother, T 
Tez, Terry, mm-hmm. and they were at Sunnybank. That was kind of 84. That yep. was when he was schooling me up on the Doc Rock album cover. Yep. He was already collecting records. Jeff is one of the heaviest heads in Australian graph and music scene. Mm. His dad was a muso and he was cool. They had their act together. They lived at Sunnybank. He would make mixtapes. That was one of my first introductions to an Australian producer in a sense. Yep. And then um, he did some pieces on the Bean Lee line, famously Dutton Park. There was a uh, Tez piece that was there for years. The electro piece out of our yeah, su- yeah. So yeah. Sunnybank and all that, they were yeah. legal walls. Yes, right. Yeah. So they knew the lady, and and, yeah. and back in them days, because it was the first graffiti, the cops weren't really anti graffiti because they didn't know it yet. Mm. There's a bit of tag, and they had the shits with that. But um, so you could ask to paint on the train line, and it was no big deal. Yeah, if that makes sense. Can I just also say, um, just for those listening, we've had Jigsaw Jeff on the show, Jeff Boardman. Go back to his episode. I can't remember what fucking number it is. Just scroll back through our episodes because he does, and he's a fucking, he's a crazy brain man. He remembers every dude on his block that had fucking that pushy and that skateboard. Like, yeah, he's a bugged out dude. He's been on the show. We had like three and a half hour episode with him. But sorry, a scientist of sound, man. Yeah. A scientist yeah. of sound. Yeah, yeah. And dude. just the way he has everything cataloged in his brain. It's just like, wow, man, this cunt, like, fuck. Yeah, and we, we discussed it in the past where his records are fairly heavily layered, yes. working on different levels. Yeah, I think you mentioned, say, Lazy could have said, you know, whether you could make four songs, and I've said the same thing, we yeah. make four songs out of one with, yeah. with Jeff. Well, we had, yeah, I'll just for, give that context. Um, um, Jason and I had a conversation in the past, and it was like uh, Lazy, um, uh, Jeff would send Lazy, like, breaks or beats and stuff, and Lazy would be like, man, just use that one section. I want to rap on that one section because there'd be fucking that many layers and that many different things going on in that fucking two minute sec, you know, two minutes of beat that he sent. Yeah, it's just like, oh, give me that's yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And I remember when I like say with Butter Beats because we were selling a lot of dance records back in the day, man. We'd sort of get three crates of dance records in hip hop, funk, soul, jazz, brand new stuff, and we'd sell a few crates every Saturday. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Jeff had come in when Resin Dogs was blowing up, and they were huge. And um, but you know, I'd always sort of see it from a commercial point of view, whereas he would always see it from an artist's point of view. So I would say to him, look, man. Do the standard break beat thing, take one idea, turn it into a 12, make it dance floor friendly, don't chop and change it too much, kids don't know how to dance to that shit. You know, but Jeff was, you know, always an artist, so to speak. So, yeah, so uh, early days of graffiti, then sort of 86, um, Furious, Awesome and Nice and um, all those guys went out to – Bloody, I'm just trying to remember the station, man. Bloody out past Kingston where the butter factory is. Oh, Kingston. Yeah, Kingston Kingston. Butter Factory. That was where the first panels were done in Brisbane, yeah? Okay. So the fence was just getting built on the other side of the the train line for the gym there. So those guys painted there. And then I met all those cats and I met Sinister and Scape, so 86. And then I started – we went up to Ipswich during the daytime to play the pennies and I saw the train yard there. So me and Scape hit – uh, Ipswich for the first time, that was 86. We yep. just went nuts, just tagging the hell out of it. I went back the next week, started painting trains there. Uh, then sort of 87, we were sort of doing uh, Renegades of Art routine. And then um, Catch was doing a lot of writing then. He had a few different names. Another guy uh, who's incredibly talented, Peter Frickman, he was, did the highly I, skate I power, man, next level yeah, stuff, yeah. still next level graffiti piece. That guy is one of the best top three in the world for doing B-boy characters without a doubt. So he had done Madhouse at Albion around that sort of 87, 88, 87 time. And then uh, Hams, of course. Hams was like one of the early stylists where he just sort of um, had everything down pat in terms of understanding how style worked. Mm. I think I discussed it with you previously where certain writers around the world just understood style. Yeah. And uh, Hams ended up doing graphic design at uh, 
Seven Hills and didn't do a whole lot of graffiti and never really painted any running trains, did like uh, one freight car or something like that. Yeah. So from my point of view, I was more into to bombing and painting and, and going hard. Um, and I love style, of course, but I wasn't that good in, in that sort of just uh, – Sort of, that know. technical proficiency or yeah, whatever. Yeah, just, yeah, you know, like, uh, anyway, just it was what it was. And then yeah. um, who else was mad? <laughs> so Justin Aquila, the original bribe, he I ended up writing Traffic. He was around yeah. at that time. He was another early-style pioneer. And so Brisbane had a pretty healthy scene. Yep. And then we had Sydney come up sort of 86, 87, 88, just before World Expo, and then we got exposed to that whole crimmy scene. Uh, you know, um, Spook and all those dudes rocked up in a stolen car with a handgun. They got locked up at Bogger Road. That was bloody – They were from Sydney? Yeah, from yeah. Sydney, yeah. yeah. Most of those dudes are all pretty much dead now. But um, yeah. So they were heavy crimmy dudes, mad graffiti writers. They painted itself Brisbane Styles, did an early abstract piece. Yeah. I think Styles had a Styles Fab Four. Yeah, he had a piece in like the Elgester drains up into the nineties or something, yeah, okay. like early two thousands. You know that it was there for fucking a you know decade plus, like still. You know, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's, it, we, last time we, we spoke, I, I went Elgester. I lived there when I was about. 83 and did break dancing classes at the sports center there for uh, a AJ's. week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, bloody head spins gave me the head spins. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, back in those days too, everyone sort of participated in all aspects of culture. Yeah. Say someone like Catch, man, mad respect because he's a mad dancer. Same with Nice, mad dancers, mad breakers, mad DJ, mad drawer, um, you know, really talented dudes. Mm. Um, nice, you know, really talented graphic designer and all that. Uh, he did a few f- trains as well. Yeah. So Catch and me painted a few trains together. Catch painted, um, I don't know, about 10 trains, maybe 15. Nice did a similar amount. Then that's sort of uh, World Expo came at 88 and I was still travelling around Australia a bit because I'd gotten trouble at school in terms of cops turning up and then I got into other trouble. And then I knew I was going to get in bigger trouble, so I took off to Sydney and I didn't want to go to Boys Yard at Bogger, so I, I waited till I was 18. Anyway, um, I went to Sydney a fair bit from 85 and I would go backwards and forwards and then Jupe came down, first time Run DMC played at Horden Pavilion. Wow, yeah. And uh, we got photos, man. So I got this photo from the rooftop. I can't remember if it was Blaze took the photo or whoever. Anyway, uh, I used it in one of the Blitzkrieg magazines. But it was like a who's who because back in those days, say at Run DMC, Everybody that was anyone was at was the, MC. Yeah, definitely. Just, and everyone just hung out. Just yeah. And it was good times back then because everyone liked each other. Everyone was down. Mm. Um, you know, you'd get a little bit of ego beef, but not much because back in them days, it was all pretty straightforward. Who was who? Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense, you know yeah, what I mean. 100%. And back in them days, too, what it was is a you were just so grateful to meet anyone that dug what you dug. Yeah. B anyone that did what you did, like from my point of view. First time I went to Melbourne, uh, I couldn't find anyone to really rack with, yeah? And um, then I, they hooked me up with this guy, Prime, Yuri, and then it was cool, yeah? yeah. But um, you're just grateful to be able to, to, to misbehave with like-minded individuals, yeah? yeah, yeah. yeah? <laughs> um, so that was all fun. Everyone knew each other and everyone respected each other in a lot of ways, you know? It was good times. Yeah, amazing, man. Like fucking – and just on a side note, that Run DMC gig in 88, you reminded me. My uh, f- my former DJ, um, rest in peace to Lopsided, he passed away uh, last year. But f- he was uh, he was 16. He told his mum he was going to stay the night at a friend's house, jumped on a bus, wound up on a greyhound, jumped a greyhound. So he went to the Sydney gig. He jumped a greyhound down to Sydney, slept the night in a fucking bus station and went to the Horton Pavilion to watch Run DMC, got back to Brisbane fucking three days later, told his mum he was staying the night. Like, you know, Lopsided. Yeah. He had a, a, you know, not a dissimilar 
history yeah, yeah, to you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. in and out, like, you know, bits and yeah, pieces. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, bugged out, man. I mean, this was a dude yeah. born in 74, so well, this gives you that, age. Man. No, I like Lopsy. I don't buy his records and, and this Yeah, and that. you knew Lopsy. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. man. I'm yeah. getting bored a little bit of bloody. Yeah, I think you, know. you got his collection towards the end there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, but yeah, <laughs> nice dude, man. Um, mm. Yeah, let, let me say the fork in the road, you know. We, mm. we both know what the fork in the road there was. Yeah, very much. And, you know, that was one thing I was always grateful for. Yeah. That um, I never went that path. But uh, yeah, much respect to him. And um, yeah, so I didn't even realize that, man. So there you go. How amazing is that? But yeah, uh, yeah. that was, well, you know, shit, man. We're all like 17, 18 year old kids and yeah. we all made our way down there. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool as hell. And it was just such a positive thing. Mm. It was mm. like in a weird way, like it was weird and criminal. But for all us working class kids, and it was mainly working class kids back in those days, if you wanted to be creative, as a male, it was one of the, the best outlets, say, for me with art. I, You know, it was always uh, – it was a softer thing at high school and, and I was never the sort of kid sitting in the art room during lunchtime. Yeah. Um, and for people that were involved in dance, it was a great way for men or males to, to dance and it was cool. Yeah, yeah. And, man, and look, you know, dudes like Catch and all that man picked up, you know, he was a dancer and, you know. Oh, dude, he'd, yeah. He'd pick, he's, you know, never been a lonely man, old Catch. Yeah, let me say no, that. no, 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 he's, no. He's happily committed now, yeah, but uh, <laughs> he was never a lonely man. No. So, um, and the power of dance, man, you know, just <laughs> yep. stuff like that, where as a working class yep. male, you could do all these different things and it was cool. Yep. So yep. if you wanted to bloody shake your ass and dance and, and be flagrant or this and that. And, and also, too, let me say this. Back in my day, man, like uh, it was fairly open and like we were kind of on the sidelines of, of um, say, gay dance culture in a lot of ways. For a lot of us guys, we all went to underage gay clubs or not, gay clubs that let underage kids in because we'd drink and catch would be DJing at the beat or whatever it was later on. And, and so we were kind of open in a lot of ways, whereas, say, growing up in a working-class environment, man, I was either Westy white dudes that yep. liked fucking heavy metal and shit like that. Yep. And to me, I could just never get my hand around the, head around those tight leather pants, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it just yeah. – it just <laughs> it was never happening yeah, for me, no. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and to be true, for a guy that's on a regular store, man, I didn't listen to Iron Maiden, an album, until about – Eight years ago. No shit. Yeah, yeah, man. I just hated those goods growing up in a lot of ways. But how captivating were the covers? Like oh, Iron yeah, Maiden but covers. To me, like growing up. You hated as, that music. Well, as a hip-hop dude, man, the, 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 you get the fights with the Westies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because yeah. back in them days, we all took it pretty serious yeah. in the same way as the skinheads would fight with the punks or the punks would fight with, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or the buddy, you know, just different cultures would fight with each other. See, people always sort of like like uh, not well, not question me so much, but like when I have a conversation about music with you know even just older people, they'd be like, "Oh, how can you not like Chisel? How can you not like that?" I'm like, "Man, that was fucking Westy pub rock to me, yeah. man. I hated, I f fucking hated Chisel. I hated all that shit. Well, like, and I still, I like, I I've never developed. I I have an appreciation for it for what they were doing politically and what they were doing, and well, not Chisel, uh, like Midnight Oil and all that sort of shit. But you know, like I just to me, yeah, I still don't fucking. I still just suck, still can't fuck with it. You know, like yeah. I don't know. So so I was a little bit more my diverse. Let me say this: Garrett tended to be a, a bad politician. That's for sure. Yeah, fucking. But a. um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it was definitely that sort of youth <laughs> thing of, of, of and, and, and put it this way, as, as an Aussie kid to identify so heavily with black culture, particularly in those times, and even say someone yourself or a little bit younger than me or whatever, mm. it, it was an unusual thing, yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, 
And it, yeah, it, parents, but my parents thought they were doing something wrong, you know, like, because I was, you know, trying to listen to Public Enemy and paint graffiti, you know. Well, like, we discussed it the other day where my mum called the cops on me, man, before yeah. I turned 17, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, And yeah. that caused me a world of headaches. Yeah. But uh, so your parents were typical response to um, of something so alien. <laughs> and just thankfully, I guess the tail end of a generation where it was okay to be racist still. You yeah, know what still, I mean? Like, exactly. Say, yeah. I don't know about you, but uh, occasionally growing up, I'd hear some shit from my mum that was like, "Whoa, oh, man, dude, that's like, not cool." My 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 um my uh, father's side of the family is Italian, and they came here post World War Two. So the stuff I used to hear about the Jews and all that kind of thing, and then on my mother's side, being Australian, going back, marrying a European. There's stuff you hear about the wogs and the things like, man, shit that his race was well, it was racist, you know, like yeah, you'd hear yeah, about yeah. things, you know. Yeah, like, well, like we'll discuss it before with Kingswood Country. Kingswood Country, country. boom, boom, boom. We yeah. grew up where you can watch a million things now and just go, fuck, how'd that? Yeah, how'd that, that go by? Yeah. But for me, I, let me let me say this one thing of two. Having been a heavy lefty, man, I do not enjoy censorship or cancel culture. And if you're an idiot, I want to hear you talk so I know you're an idiot. Yes. And if you're a racist, man, I want to hear you talk so that I know you're a racist. I don't want to give you a platform. Mm. I don't want to take your platform away, but I just want to know who's who so I can avoid you. Yeah, Exactly. And then I can perhaps go, hey, man, what you said sounds pretty corny for these reasons. Mm. And have a, have a discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discussion, debate. Yeah. And uh, recently with this whole lockdown situation, the first thing I did with my kids was to play them 1984 mm. and to school them up on mm. um, Aldous Huxley and Brave yeah. New World and all that stuff yep. just so they're hip. And, um, you know, it's important, as you were saying at the start, just to be aware, to try and consume as much information as possible, try and and, and try and see different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. be informed, uh, question, question, and be informed, and then look. You know, don't look for confirmation bias. Don't look for information that just supports your opinion. Look beyond things that support your opinion, and just uh, define, like, find your own opinion. I suppose. Yeah, but find it was it. simple things too, like just find out who employs the person that's is right. giving you the opinion. That's right. Who do they work for? Yeah. Which university? Yeah. What 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 what's their you know. What's their employer's yeah, yeah, background? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and those simple things can really help people understand yeah. what's really going on. Because when you find out that nine tenths of the media consumes are owned by the same two people or whatever, there you, go. Yeah. you know, it's it's you know, and I'm I'm a sort of person. We don't have a TV in our house for eight years, man. I wouldn't put my kids through that bullshit, and um, we limit any computer contact to a couple of hours. But uh, one thing I enjoy, and also with my children, I try and encourage is no matter what to always look at the other perspective, yeah? Mm, mm-hmm. And while empathy is a big word, mm. I kind of embrace it, but at the same time, though, I think it's absolutely – I'm kind of a lefty that thinks it's absolutely ridiculous that somehow if I tried hard enough, I could understand what it's like to be a starving African that yeah. desperately needs food, yeah? Yeah. yeah? So while I can do all my best to live a good life and help as much as I can and, and I you know, have a UNICEF kid and all this and that and I try and do things in the real world that are positive, do murals that, you know, blah, 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 empathy can go so far. Yes. It tends to be a pat on the back for the middle-class white person that indulges in it. Exactly. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So back in my day, there'd be nothing more rude to say that you could somehow understand or have some sort of ability to understand mm. those backgrounds, yeah? Mm. Um, but at the same time, though, um, yeah, you just got to, you know, you try to understand, if that makes sense. You can only try, man. And also to and understand that we've all got biases and all got different, yeah. lo- and everybody, no matter what your background, we've all got biases that are fed to us by different yeah. mediums yeah, and, and whatnot, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like bloody... Um, you know. If it's not your parents, it's the media. If it's not the media, it's your phone. It's not well, it's social it's media, whatever it, the yeah. fuck. It's the whole is the whole spectrum. But you know, but, um, 
Dude, there was an explosion of graffiti in this city following Expo 88, wasn't there really? Like post yeah. 88 on, that's when things really just started fucking blowing up. Can you tell us about that sort of that Okay, era? so in the early days, basically in Brisbane, say 85, 86, 87, there was like a couple of us painting trains. There was, you know, me, Price, Sinister and Scape did a couple. That was it. They got caught. They went. Scape got locked up just as 88 was rocking in because World Expo was – they wanted to make an example, a few of us, uh, Price, myself, we all got into trouble. And then uh, for a while it was quiet. Yeah. So uh, for the first time ever, Queensland Rail basically came through and buffed everything. Yeah. And then uh, at the same time you had uh, Bill and Jamie teamed up with the original B-Boy All-Stars, which was Catch and Frickman and all those dudes, and they got commissioned to do World Expo. Mm -hmm. So um, all of a sudden – you had a different kind of approach where the, Bill and Jamie had a lot more support from their mum and she had music experience. She was involved in the country music scene and this and that. So they, they came out of a bit more of a big picture point of view yeah. and she encouraged them. So she paid for, like, say, for Hype Magazine. Yep, the early issues. And then and once stuff. Hype Magazine came out, um, a lot of stuff came bigger. Yes. And also, say, graffiti, like Sydney just blew up, man, 88 yeah. or whatever. Sydney was nuts. It was so much fun. Melbourne, same thing. For whatever yeah. reason, hip-hop was really – and graffiti was just really booming. And, uh, you know, economically, if you want to have a bigger picture, there was a recession at the time. Inflation was high. Shit seemed pretty crazy. Um, and uh, just culturally, there was a lot of, you know, mm. interest in the sort of thing where hip-hop yeah. – was and you talked about before, like say when I was growing up, you probably the same. Where you'd watch Rage and you have your video recorder ready oh, yeah. for the two songs that would come on. Yeah, fucking a. <laughs> and then you'd watch, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd put your tape together. Yeah. And you'd love that fucking tape. Yeah, man. You know, yeah, so you'd rinse every, that tape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and and even in the same way, in in my record shop, I sell a lot of compilations now for whatever reason. When you hear a set of songs in the same order as when you first heard them from mm. various artists, or whatever, mm. it, 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 there's something that happens where you get taken back to that emotional time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same way, say, like you hear a piece of music you haven't heard for a long time and there's nothing quite like it that can create an instant emotional response on a heavy level, make you feel sad, make you feel happy, make you feel whatever it is. Um, because the, back in those days, you, 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 everything was taken in so much. Yes. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, you know definitely. what I mean? You definitely. had two TV channels when I was growing up, man. Well, for me, it was a big deal when I finally made it to Brisbane and they had four channels, mm. right? Mm. I was, that was big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They finished at night time. Yeah. They'd have a test screen come on at 12 o'clock. Exactly. You yeah, know, yeah. then they had infomercials all night yeah. long. It was still when I was a kid. I think were, when I was a kid, I think it was five channels and you were lucky to get SBS, you know, mm. so you might be able to get the sixth. But you fuck, you'd probably have to move the aerial around to get fucking SBS, you know? And like you said, it ended at fucking midnight. You had that fucking test screen shit come up. Yeah, yeah I remember so, that shit, man. That yeah, was, so yeah. I think that that impact of all that early stuff was so, so – say like kids come into the shop now, man, and it happens all the time, and I try and be a good, you know, sales person or whatever it is, and I'll say, oh, you know, what are you into? And 99% of the time they tell I'm into everything. Mm. And I'll say, oh, what are you into, gay techno from Berlin? <laughs> and, and they'll look at me yeah. and they'll try and judge me in yeah. terms of is he taking the piss, is, mm. is, is this a band I've never heard of? Mm. Man, mm. now I don't mind gay minimal techno from Berlin. Mm. Mm. I'm okay with that. That's mm. okay. I'm not really a shirt off guy personally, yeah. but it's just <laughs> funny where kids are into everything, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah? And it's like, what does that really mean? Mm. You're into everything. Like, what does that fucking mean? Mm. You know what I mean? How can you be into everything? Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's the thing. Yeah, I, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know? You hear but, it more and more now. Ah, well, because then no one I, wants to be exclusionary. No one yeah. wants to say, I I don't like something. Or no yeah. one wants to say, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it's interesting in, in different times. 
And a lot of stuff is so much more surface yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where yeah. Yeah. The, the, everything is becoming zeros and ones and surface level stuff, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And and say like as a hip-hop fan, I went to New York, whereas kids now, man, they can, they can fucking know everything just by sitting on blogs and bloody, mm-hmm. you know, watching DJ Vlad or whatever it is yeah, yeah, and yeah. just, you know, consuming, consuming, consuming True. with no real participation. Yeah, exactly. In the same way as in my day, uh, like people, like now it's very popular. And my wife, who's a, is a, uh, works in graphic design, have got these kids that submit their portfolio, and they'll have photos of trains, but it's them doing graphic design, putting a piece on there. Mm-hmm. So it's not a real train. And uh, but my point is, in my day, you'd be embarrassed to do that. You know, no, you're fucking a faking the funk, man. Fucking what, are you, a. What, what are you doing? Hundred percent perpetrating the fraud. I, I look at stuff. Whereas, like, I look at stuff like that now, and I saw, I've seen stuff recently, and I'm kind of no, I'm not embarrassed by it. I feel, I feel no, re- I feel no real emotion. But I'm like, man, that ain't fucking real. Keep scrolling. Like, yeah, I'm just like, yeah. what the fuck is that, dude? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, in a big picture it, sense, I remember when Reese did the artifacts cover for the uh, yeah. wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. yeah, so that was fake yeah. graffiti. But what it was, man, Reese had done so much fucking graph and that tame dude you know they, they'd done graph man they were real yeah, yeah. yeah so that was real, real. Yeah. it wasn't like a, and I don't want to be a hater but uh, say for me what I, I sort of see sad now is where graph is used as a path for a lot of graphic designers they do their one year six months or whatever it is and they use that sort of street cred or whatever it is to, to, to live off mm. yeah mm. and the whole scene becomes much more about surface once again and it's you know paint a few abandoned buildings take photos put it on Instagram Build up a certain level of street cred, like for like, get on there, like a thousand different writers, you'll get a thousand different people like you. Blah, blah, blah. You know, there's that weird economy. Yeah. And uh, we talked about it a little bit too, say, with that weird economy of Instagram, say, take a harshy. I looked at his things early on and I saw he had over a million hits. And I was like, fuck, man, we had a crazy number of hits. Mm. I was like, fuck, I just heard about this dude, TMZ or whatever it was the other day. Point being is when I looked a bit sm- longer and smarter at it, I saw that the first comment was at the million point. Mm. And the person had said, hey, listen, I'm viewer of one million such and such. Yeah. And no one's left a comment yet. Why is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Dude. So that's whole buying likes. Yeah. And that all buying yeah. views yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And um, there's this weird surface level economy now that, that yeah. so many people are happy to embrace. And I don't want to be a hater, so I'm, you know, good luck to everybody. Mm. But um, we discussed it, I guess, where, say, say Instagram and Bikini Girls, yeah? Yeah. In one sense, it's liberating because women are controlling their own image, controlling their own selling of that image. And 90% of it is women liking women. Mm. If you look at any yeah, of those yeah. Bikini Girls, True. man, you actually scroll through the names, yeah. it's that whole like-for-like culture where bloody it's – they're all liking their girlfriends, blah, 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 blah. But that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, man. A lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. I got daughters. One's, one's just turned 12, man. Last thing I'm going to do is give her a phone. Yeah, but be, but beyond that, it's it's as you said, it's surface. So it's just the appearance. Like they don't have fucking thirty five thousand followers. They probably have maybe five thousand legitimate followers. They've bought the other thirty thousand in maybe five thousand lots and been added on. You see it. Like I remember we spoke on this show with someone I can't remember who, but you know, Hot ninety seven in New York. They're DJs and shit like that. You'll look at their profiles. Like I remember, I can't remember any specific one. Maybe DJ Carmillo or Mr. C, not Mr. C. Mr. C was Big Daddy Kane's DJ, but he was also on Hot 97. But regardless, you'll have a look. 67,500 followers, 220,000 followers. They get fucking eight comments, 
Yeah. Fucking, you know, when you could see numbers, 35 likes, I'm like, you've got 67,500 fucking followers. You've got eight comments and three, you know, and 37 100%, likes. 100%. Like, yeah, this is, you know, you're faking the phone. It's bullshit, man. Yeah. It's surface. It's, it's actually not real. So you're chasing something that isn't, it isn't like it isn't that fucking groundswell. It isn't that organic sort of. That. Well, what it is from my perspective, and, and this is a value judgment in, in terms of judging what, what's valuable, but yeah, but these kids are aspiring to be like these guys and half of them don't realise it's bullshit. Yeah. So, so it, much is gauged on the numbers and yeah. the, the statistics or the yeah. whatever. And, 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 and let's bring it to a local level and a positive level, yeah? Mm. For me, participating. So I've put on a bunch of hip-hop gigs. I've organised hip-hop nights. And for me, it's always about that ground, grassroots level, just – Keeping it, I don't want to even say it, but you know, just just keeping it real, I guess. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Not getting too caught up in the bullshit, yeah. 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 And I've never, when I've done records, I've never aspired to be a record label. I'm out there telling everyone I got a record label and all that shit. But um, just doing projects, man, meeting people, having fun, all that stuff's so much more important mm. than painting the same fucking tunnel a hundred times, yeah, yeah. spending every hard earned cent. And then sitting there constantly liking everybody desperately, yeah. hoping everyone likes you back, and yeah. just just to get your likes up for what? Yeah, what? So that fucking that Tim dude or whatever it is from Instagram can fucking make money or yeah. whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the stupid yeah. thing is, it's like you don't even own your own shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was like you know, there's a famous paint company, and all their writers, you know, the contract says that the company owns their pieces. Mm. Mm. And I'm like, look at them. Yeah, that's cool. You get free paint, dudes. And yeah, okay, but buddy. You know what I mean? Like it's, yep. a, it's a different thing. Now yep. those kids are far more successful in a lot of ways than me because they're happy to be used mm. and I, I find it very common where people are happy to work on that surface level and, and, and you know, bounce off each other on that way. But for yep. me personally, i got friends in New York that I only speak to every two years but they're great friends that I love and have deep commitment to and honour and trust and friends in Europe like that. Rather than having 10,000 likes on fucking Instagram, yeah, man, yeah, like yeah. fucking painting yeah. certain style pieces because I know kids will like it or, yeah. you know, all that shit where yeah. I've seen kids and just lie about it or, mm. you know, just whatever it is, yeah. just constantly thinking about this perceived weird audience. Man, half the time it's 14-year-old kids. Dude. Like, man, I don't want to give a fuck about any 14-year-old kids, you know what I mean? Like, yep. buddy, I just couldn't care. Like, God bless them, love them. Yeah. But it's just uh, as for trying to. You're a man. You're raising fourteen year old kids. Well, you don't have. To, you're yeah, not. You're you know. trying to. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to fucking pander to that market as a grown fucking man. You can be aware of it. You can. Uh, you can embrace it. You can go. Okay. What can I learn from that? Because there is always something to learn from everything that comes prior, and after. But. As grown ass fucking men, we have priorities, responsibilities, like being that just, yeah, no longer fucking matters so much, you know? Like, I know even Travis mentioned in the past, like, you know, like back in the days, so or not back in the day, fucking back in the day, mate, we might be talking about like a few years ago, four or five years ago. Well, there, but, there's a good example. Back in the day has become shorter and yeah. shorter. Yeah, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Hasn't it? Shorter. Hasn't it? Like dude. back in the day means yeah. yesterday. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when you put on dude, when you put when you put on Nova and they play their old school hour and it's tracks from two thousand and five, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> old school man, what the fuck are you guys talking that's, about? That's like, true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and who's to say it's wrong? Who knows? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like bloody yeah. okay, but uh, yeah, exactly. That's funny. Oh, dude, back yeah, it's bugged day. out. But I mean, Trav was saying, uh, Trav mentioned once, like you know, like uh, like doing support slots for um, touring artists in this city like you know going back even five years our social media numbers were never what maybe other social media numbers were in this city but 
you know, and promoters would look at that and go, nah, we're not going to put Jake Beers on or we're not going to put Lazy Gray on. They've only got fucking 2,000 likes on a Facebook page. Oh, yeah, they right. don't get the, yeah, they works. don't have that fucking trap. But we don't, we're not about that, man. But like if you put those names on that support slot, you're guaranteed another 300 through your door. This is, I think this that was when Lazy didn't even I just got have pissed a fucking, um, so I was a Perth promoter. Um, I would occasionally get hit up to recommend supports slots. And um, I would recommend which most sane people do is who's hot in the current area or they might have released an album recently or along them lines. And at the time, I'm pretty sure it was 750 just dropped their album and I um, can't remember who the actual uh, group was that were touring, but I suggested, oh, yeah, hit up um, Lazy Grey or Jake Biz maybe. They'll probably do something. They've just dropped something. You get a lot of heads through, yada, yada, yada. And it's probably an hour later, I get a message back saying, oh, I've just tried sussing Lazy Grey on Facebook and, yeah, he's got fuck all likes. And yeah, yeah. Well, look, man, I, I, I get it in my little world of, say, graph, where people come to me wanting to do some stuff and then, and then you know, there'll be some other hipper young kid that's got 10,000 likes on on Instagram or whatever, and they might get the job or whatever it is. And, um, you know, but to me, like, say, 750, man, it's always got a solid crowd, yeah? But it's always a hardcore certain number crowd, yeah? And promoters are always dreaming of more for less. So the thing is that they're trying to work out some way to get, you know, more for less. So you guys, you know, 750, you stay staunch, want a certain amount of money, whatever it is. So They, they um, I think they Jake was coming to the table, though, cash-wise. It was extremely cheap, um offer and yeah it was just he, he did five minutes of research on facebook or wherever he did it and just oh lazy and he also said like lazy gray never heard of him and i was trying to explain like oh if you're in brisbane man like he'd bring you can't expect massive- everyone sorry i'm just rejoining the conversation but like you can't expect everyone to know everyone it is i mean those things just are what they were uh we get bogged down in the semantics of all fucking youtube numbers and fucking likes and all that kind well, of shit it's just you know we say it's inconsequential but then we spend fucking half an hour talking about it every second fucking podcast <laughs> you know like it's kind of like you do get bogged down in it man like is there anything more you want to add to it uh, basically for young people out there man don't stress about it too much yeah uh one thing is Better to have no friends than bad friends. That's it. Man. There's a good piece of advice. That's it. If you can find one or two good friends in the real world for a while, that's always good. Always try being a good friend. Always try to be a good friend if you want to have a good friend. Uh, we discussed a little bit in the past, good karma and all that shit. Yeah. Get hip to all that sort of shit. And as for promoters in this scene, man, I've seen many, many come and go and I've seen many victimised and I've seen good people waste good money on on – Thinking mm-hmm. that but the Facebook numbers mean Sonic and yeah. we discussed it in the past with a young guy came to me and, and told me about a million views on YouTube and I was kind of laughing and, he, he you know, he, he come back a couple of months. And I, and I always try to be positive with these cats, yeah? Yep. So I said, first of all, man, don't listen to me. I don't know anything. B, fucking go for it because no matter what, going for it is better than not going for it. C, if you can afford it, fucking go for it because it's a life experience lesson and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the rapper he mentioned to me, I was laughing because he's one of those sort of flavour of the months, blah, 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 hospice or some shit, was it? Or not hospice. Uh, anyway, I won't get into it, but I uh, had a million views and I was like, dude, how many regulars has this guy sold in this country? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, the first thing I would do is fucking find out how many records they sold, how many mm. people are committed enough to spend 30 bucks for a record. Yeah. Because if you want 50 bucks for a ticket, 
and no one's prepared to pay 30 bucks for a fucking record, mm. snap out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. but that was just common sense business music world shit, yeah? Mm. Anyway. It and, wouldn't have been the hospice. The hospice out of Melbourne. No, no, no. It's Hospin or one of those. Hospin. Oh, Hospin. Ho- yeah. Dude, Hospin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hops in. Hops in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had weird about. eyes or some shit. Yeah, yeah. That was his whole shit. His whole weird thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So from my, I didn't want to get yeah. into it because I didn't want to name names anyway. Yeah. No, but no, you I was just looking at going, yeah. oh my god, okay, fucking, yeah. that's his shtick, all right, yeah. that's his big yeah. shtick, okay, fine. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, I, I and I like to see things from a business point of view a lot of the time, yeah. Mm. Anyway, the dude come back in a couple of weeks later, nice dude, come back with his wife, young kid, pushing a pram, he blew all his money, and I was just like, fuck, dude, you know. I think it was his one and only gigs that he ever promoted. I've seen yeah. so many different dudes and, those, and you know, and, and it's a hard industry, especially for hip hop man, because a yeah. half the dudes don't even turn up. Yeah, right. Yeah, half the guys like, and, and I know New York cats, right? Yeah, half of them never been out of fucking New York band, let alone try to fly to Australia. Yeah. What do you mean I can't fly if I've been in jail for arm rob? Mm. Mm. Oh, mm. hang on. Yeah, or B, a lot of those dudes just don't like flying, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. KRS caught a boat. Dude, you know they put I mean? KRS on a boat, man. Right? Like, well, he, he's politically and that way inclined to yeah. whatever, but it's a long fucking way for a small audience. Man. 17 hours for less yeah. than 25 million people. Are you kidding? Yeah, dude. I could fly to fucking London fucking eight hours, seven yeah. hours. and bloody... Drug charges is another big one. That's what I'm saying, though, man. All yeah. those cats, you know. Yeah. And B also, too, like, say, we'll say the most deaf incident. Anyone that wants to Google that one, that's an interesting episode for an Australian promoter where it takes a whole bunch of money, then at the end says, I can't come for various reasons. Turns out that they're bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just take the money and run. Yeah. Typical sort of, you know, ghetto mentality. Fuck it, if you can find an idiot to send you 10 grand in the mail, yeah, yeah. fucking open that lever. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I'd yeah, fucking yeah. open that letter every day of the week. Yeah. Hopefully I can convince six idiots from fucking different parts of the world <laughs> to send me those letters. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, buddy. Exactly. So yeah, you can Google that most F1. That was a funny one. But it's a hard industry. Yeah, and, man. And people have got to, and this thing we say with hip hop, yeah. For us older cats, we knew it was fake and funny, man. When you looked at Eric B and Rakim with their fake Gucci jackets, everyone knew it was fake. They were taking the piss. And even though it was that uh, mentality of wanting to get out of the ghetto, doing the best to get out of the ghetto because, of course, you want to get out of the ghetto, you partied while you could mm. and you enjoyed what you could and you made the best of what you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, everyone knew it was shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then after a while, it, it's, it became a parody of itself. Yeah. And then after a while, the parody became a parody of itself. We're now, once again, let's talk about, you know, take a 69, oh, my God, man, mm. like fucking, mm. you know, comes into the music industry with a pedo charge, so having sex with a 12-year-old and blah, 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 and everyone just oh, kicks. Oh, Takashi fucking. Yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. kicks along with it. 14-year-old or something. But, uh, yeah, I think yeah. he was 17 and she was 12 or some shit. Yeah, right. But anyway, where it's just, you know, yeah. it, it, it's that whole Illuminati, too evil for words, fucking everything's too bizarre now. Crazy yeah. shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, buddy. Um, so yeah, to anyone that's listening, you know, just try and fucking keep yourself grounded, man, yeah, and just man. step forward every day in a positive way on a concrete, small achievement. Yep. Rather than just trying to bloody yep. somehow jump fucking into the the winter circle without Diving. actually doing any training. Yeah, man, jumping out of a fucking puddle into an ocean, you know, like just fucking take it easy, man. You Enjoy know, just fucking tow that fucking, you know, just just try and work towards it. But okay, let's move on, man. As the night as the nineties progressed, dude, so does so does your style. Like you start developing so many different fucking so many different letter styles, letter structures, all that kind of thing. Was that you challenging yourself? Like Yeah, well what it was for me, I I always dug lots of different
different artists, lots of different styles of art, lots of different graffiti, lots of different things. B, I'd done so many pieces in, in the standard, usual, two arrows out the side, New York wild style tradition yep. that it got boring for me. C, I wanted to see what I could push as what's possible with graffiti yeah, and, uh, and, and what I could do that was interesting. Um, and I, I was painting, you know, four or five times a week, man. Mm. I, that's all I'd do. I'd rack paint and paint. That was it. You know, occasionally do a legal, get more paint and go paint, go to uni, paint, rack, paint. And then travel. You did a lot of travel through yeah, the Yeah, always. Because I always, you know, shit, man, I've been um, painted trains in Norway, Germany, Paris, India. Uh, I haven't painted trains, but I painted in Japan a fair bit. Germany, I painted trains, bloody um, – Oh, lots of different places, man. Bloody New Zealand, fucking yeah, New Zealand. I've been paid to go there, and um, did you paint in Japan? I just painted with a. Let me give a big shout out to a mate of mine, Taboo, one one of the coolest guys in New Zealand, and big props to Snarly down yeah. in uh, Coffs Harbour who gave me the contact for Taboo. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. A, I did a lot of bombing. I actually took my bloody ten year old to Japan, and then we went bombing together, which was kind of bad parenting. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know. I've done a similar thing with my five year old, bro. I put a fucking Nico in my five year old's hand in fucking Melbourne, and just. And I thought, fuck, this probably isn't great parenting, but uh, well, I don't know. you know, you're gonna let them know there's two <laughs> sides it. to life. That's you know it, what I mean? That's it. <laughs> but uh, you know, the thing is that whole make your mark on society. I guess you know, yeah. learn to actually yeah. just participate and get involved. Yeah. So for me, painting lots of different weird style graffiti or whatever. Um, like I invented sort of like a hollow style that everyone does now. Most people don't realize that I was the one to do that. Yeah, certainly. Where like there was where the you know just to can we clarify that style because I did so, want to yeah. ask you about it. Yeah, so a lettering almost style. Almost like there's a shadow on the inside well, of the almost letters. as if you, you've like say if a letter is a band and you've cut like a strip out of the inside yes. of the band. Yep. yep. And I was painting trains like that back in '96. It's ever so yep. popular now. Um, but I, I was lucky enough to get schooled up by guys like Sento from New York. And um, I just love style, man, and, and all different aspects mm. of life. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I collect old cars and motorbikes. I like fixing up old motorbikes and just certain style. Like to me, you can be povo, man, but you can still have mad style. Fucking and that was one thing with hip hop that I always loved. Yeah, and that was the whole thing with hip hop, man. You could go out and steal a fucking eight oh eight, and you're in business, man. Yep. You can pick up a mic for fifteen bucks. You can steal that pretty easy. Yep. And you're a band. You're yep. rocking. Yep. You know what I mean? You're, you're out there as much as anyone. Yeah. And the records you can pick up for a dollar and, and cut them up and you got mm. a full band working for you. And that's what I always loved about hip-hop. So with style, I started to um, just try and do different stuff, man, spaghetti letters or just arrow, just anything that was interesting and, and come from a conceptual point of view. So, you know, okay, I did a piece once where uh, it was like done by a five-year-old but painted in that sort of style mm. or where I'd make letters invisible or um, just coming up with different concepts yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and just trying to push it to another level. I used to, like say with blockbusters, I'd have 10, 15 different styles of blockbusters yeah. because I'd do so many pieces. And when I went to Dortmund in uh, 92, 93, there was like three dudes in Dortmund that did 95% of the graffiti, Chintz, Shark and Rio, but they'd had 10 different names. Yeah, yeah. And I also loved that where bloody it kept it hard to detect them from the police's point of view. Yeah. And say with Chintz, what I really loved is the mad bugger started doing graffiti like you do one plus one equals two. Yeah, yeah. And do it as a panel. Yeah. Where it was just so crazy, dumb. Yeah. So egoless. So just what the hell? Yeah. So I came back and I started like, oh, well, actually I was doing it beforehand. I was doing A, B, C, D pieces. Yep. Because I've, I've had many tags over the years and um, each time I got busted, I kind of changed my name or whatever it was. And um, 
yeah, do ABCD just for a laugh, man. Yeah, just because yeah, it was yeah. just what the hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, too, from my point of view, I never really – I dig it, but that whole high school boy graffiti, three arrows, semi-wild, all that shit, which I kind of dig, it just never really did it for me intellectually or just mm -hmm. to, to, to look at, yeah? Yep. And there's certain writers in this town that are great writers – but they've just been sitting on that vibe forever, which is cool. Good luck to them. Yeah. But for me, I just couldn't stay inspired to yeah. um to do so. Yeah, yeah. And also too, you just um, uh, you start painting shit on purpose to be ugly. You know, I was mm. one of the first dudes to start doing that retro '72 stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone just thought I was on crack or something. Because <laughs> I'd gone from spending seven hours on a piece yeah. to spending twenty minutes. Yeah. And doing two colors. But from my point of view, one of the greatest compliments I ever got was from Scheme, yeah, old mm. school Scheme from yep. New York. Yeah. And he sent me a message. I'd done like a two-color piece inside this warehouse illegally on a just bare brick wall. And for me, that retro style stuff only looks good when the wall's bare brick so mm. that it actually makes sense that it visually looks like it is. Yep. Brand new graph from the 70s, yeah? Yep, so all the kids doing all the ugly style shit, then you look in the background, you've got a million pieces. It's like... Mm. What are you on about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, but yeah, Scheme had sent me a message saying funky letters and shit, yeah? And that made my day, I can tell you, because uh, A, to get a, a message from the blue out from Scheme. Oh, fuck, dude. Heaps yeah. cool. Yeah. And for me, I've always dug the few bits of compliments I get from the guys I really respect, like Blade, Scene, and, and dudes like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Having a whole bunch of 15-year-old kids loving you, yeah, okay, whatever. But to get one compliment from Scene mm. or, or even – uh, just to paint with those dudes or to be down enough with those dudes. For me, that's been more interesting and, and far more 100%. rewarding. I was actually going to ask, have you maintained relationships with those dudes? I mean, you had running panels with Scene through New York. Yeah. Like, yep. You know? Yeah, so I always pay most respects, man. Like um, I, I talk to Blade all the time. Uh, scene, not so much since he's moved to um, Vegas. To Vegas. Yeah, yeah, man. He, yeah. he gets some crazy deal where they paid him a million bucks for this gallery. Fuck. So he can just sit around all day churning out paintings. Yeah. And uh, that was organized very risky. And um, Risky, I, I knew back in 92 and he was a cool guy. But uh, so I try to. I'm a bit lazy though because I'm always, like at the moment I've just been so heavy with my family. I've got hardly any time at all. Yeah. And I, I just so dig hanging out with my daughters and trying to, to uh, come from a shitty background, I always promise myself I would do my best to make sure that my kids uh, had a good experience. That's and, right. Um, Although I'm a hard father in a lot of ways, I've never hit my kids and uh, mm. never, you know, but, um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I keep them real, man. Yeah. And yeah. I let them know that unfortunately, like for instance, and I've heard myself say this out loud and have people look at me, sometimes people won't like you. Yeah, that's for right. For no reason. Yeah. And they'll be mean, but that's life, man. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Kill yeah. them with kindness. Yeah. Get on the positive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I think, I think, man, like I try to, like, you know, just listening to you talk, I try to raise my daughter. Like I think it's an old school mindset. Like it's just more of an old school mindset. Like just, just, yeah, like there's, this, I mean, there's no hard and fast way of doing it, but yeah, just trying to raise your child. We've spoken in the past, just, you know, being an assertive father, being a father on the scene, being a father that they can fucking turn to, you know, like, I don't know, please continue. Like, well, I man, know like, you know, just being a bit more old school with the fucking, with well, the thinking. Uh, well, I think part of it is a selfish thing, man, because I, I, I dare say you're like me, man. It's selfish. You want to, you want to be a good dad because you want to yeah. be a good dad, man. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. you want to do it for your kids, but you also want to do it for yourself because yeah. guess what? Being a dad, a mm. good dad, is one of the most rewarding 
mm. experiences you could ever have, man. Mm. And um, so far, it's going pretty good for me. Mm. And so far, it's going good for my kids. You know, they're straight A's. My my second child, straight A's and Congrats, B's. Man. Congratulations, they, You know, my kids have been yeah. around the world. They understand. They've, they've you know, they're, they're hip to you know certain things. They, you know, they understand their privilege. They understand their luck. Yep. They understand the fact that uh, you know I'm one of those dads, man. That fucking they, they get a bit attitudey, man. Yeah. Let's go watch one of those videos of those kids in Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's yeah. watch it for ten fucking minutes, yeah. and let's really yeah. watch it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, let's get fucking real, <laughs> yep. because man, there's a lot of privilege in this country, and we've all got different. You want Wins to give, and losses. That's right. You want to give your child as much as possible. Like I'm the same. Like my daughter at five years old, she's been to London, she's been to Singapore, she's been to Melbourne, she's been like, you know, and she will have no, probably have, as she grows, will have no recollection, but I want to continue that. I want her to grow beyond just a fucking school education. And I think there's an, I think there's an old world, like, you know, just having, I don't know, having a European father and things like that. And I know you come from a different, a, a different background altogether again, but like just having that, I don't know, I think just applying that, I think- I don't think the way I was raised was wrong. I would never put my hands on my kid. My old man put his hands on me, but, you know, never as anything more than something disciplinary. I would never hold it against them, you know. Like it was – but I would never put my hands on my daughter or anything like that. But just just being there and, yeah, you know, I know what you're saying. Sorry, man. Yeah, well, yeah, no need to be sorry. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's great being a dad. <laughs> but for me, everybody out there, take as long as possible. Mm. Get, for me, I waited till I was 37. Get it all out of your system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sow your oats, whatever it is. Yeah, I was 34. So. You know, yeah. and, and take your time, man, because once you've done it, you know, shit, man, it's not that hard to put a rubber on dudes. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, they, yeah, yeah. honestly, like, fucking, you know, fucking mm. do everybody a favour. But, um, you know, it's responsibility too. And it, it's like, say, for me, um, I've always embraced personal responsibility. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, playing the victim, yeah, I could have gone that path, man, you know, but it just never interests me. No. You know what I mean? And, like, we're all victims of different things and it's all relative and it's all the same, but it doesn't really – help anyone get anywhere further by playing that role, yeah? Certainly not. And, um, you know, so just every day just try and fucking do one or two things positive in the real world. I was surfing this morning down at Kira, so I had an hour and a half, two hours surfing. I've come hung out here. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go help some friends of mine at Dara. They're moving house. I'll help them for an hour or two. Try and make sure that, you know, your day is full of activity and full of positivity and, and, you know, I hung out with my kids at the bus stop for 10, 15 minutes and we hung out and... They were TikToking and I was doing a little teapot dance. <laughs> <laughs> My kids were driving me nuts with TikTok yeah. and I was trying to explain that standing at the bus stop at Churigan yeah. dancing, you know, might appear a certain way. <laughs> yeah. And my daughter says to me, well, they don't have to look, Dad. And I had to yeah. explain to her the hard lesson that if Dad does his little teapot dance, which I did, guess mm. what? People will look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you can't be upset at them for looking, man, That's because it. you That's know it. what? This whole protect me from everybody bullshit and safe space and all that sort of shit, man. It's bullshit. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, absolutely. life's a roller coaster, jump on yeah. and fucking hold on and, yeah, give it a and go. go for it, man. Fucking you know? hey, give it a go. You know? Dude, as the 90s progressed, you launched your own magazine. Yeah, Nin- okay. 98, Blitzkrieg? Oh, no, no. So what it was is I was at uni 92, 93, so I got access to stuff, yeah? Okay. So um, Hype Magazine was out and uh, for whatever reason I didn't dig – they 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 kind of went into sort of like getting into uh, raving and all that sort of ecstasy culture, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought um, I wanted to do my own magazine. Yep. I, I loved what Blaze had done with uh, Vapor's magazine. Yeah, certainly. Sort of a, a more intellectual approach, uh, much more of a um, considered mm. 
heavy information. Did actually, vapors have a big impact on you oh, as a young man? Yeah, man. Yeah, like, had to have. Yeah, black yeah. and white magazine. But see, yeah. this is the thing that kind of helped that early or late 80s explosion was that the culture started to define itself in Australia. Yeah. So you had your first recordings. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, actually, fuck, man. Case and that did a record, Just Us. Okay, mm. wow, fuck. Mm. And, you know, shit like that. So all of a sudden it was like, okay, you can actually really be concrete and real. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so uh, I did Blitzkrieg magazine and then I was doing videos as well. So I was using the university's editing studio for free at nighttime and stuff. So I did all these 183 graffiti videos and I was inspired, of course, by um, Videograph. So Nick and all those guys from New York. And at that stage, I was working in distro. Yeah. I had uh, helped a guy in Sydney sell a bunch of graph, me, graph magazines for years. So I was making money selling graph magazines, importing graph videos, graph books, graph, everything graph, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I first started selling a bit of paint on the side. We had a contact for Krylon paint when Krylon paint was the only good paint. Yeah, man. And I, I would pick that up and then wholesale it or whatever to some friends of mine. And, and cool shit, man, like Roski and all that down in Sydney match props to Roski, Pete, Zombie, you guys are all legends, mm. Dream, Skay, all those dudes, bloody shout out. Westline, shout out. They uh, Roski had a hookup for $1 paint. Mm. Right, and this is kind of like '92. So if you look at all the Brisbane graffiti that was on my side of town, and everyone that we were cool with, right, mm. it was sort of we bought all these one dollar tan. <sighs> there was these Asian cats working in the factory at Dulux, yeah. And for whatever reason, certain color bond colors would have problems, and they would sneak them out of the factory and sell them to graffiti writers for a buck. Shit. And I bought pallets of the shit and yeah. brought it up to Queensland. And then everybody, if you look at that period, 92, 93, we're all using these weird colour bond colours, so beiges, greens, browns, yeah, you know, all yep. colour bond colours. So then I started hustling paint, making some money, trying to pay the bills. Um, from there we did Blitzkrieg. That was me and Pete Fear. We sold like 40,000 copies mm. of that all up and mm. that would be through underground networks. So I would say. And there was only how many issues? Seven? Six? Eight. We did eight. again. So the, the last one was yeah. the flood issue. Yeah, and that was the smaller the smaller one. The posters, yeah. yeah so yeah. when when the floods were in Brisbane, I think 2012 or whatever, there was. Like, oh, you did one post the floods, did you? Post, yeah, yeah. Post the... So uh, it was actually Techno that helped us on that one, I think, and this okay. other guy, Greasy. Where there's like 300 panels done that week yeah, or whatever. Fuck, it was insane. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, they moved all the yeah. trains up to high ground. So yeah. yeah, and then half of them stopped where they were, which was crazy. Yeah, where like anyway, but first yeah. time I ever saw a rolling hole train going through Park Road, man. I was going back to work just post the floods, and I remember the train I got on had just been buffed, so you could see the top had whole had a whole car on it, and I'm rolling into Park Road Station, heading to Bowen Hills for work, and a whole train, a whole window down, but a whole train. Pulls out a fucking park road heading down the Cleveland line. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, they, they were still running, you know, like a week or two post the floods. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't Crazy times. I didn't know you put out a Blitzkrieg following. Oh, yeah. So we yeah. did a poster issue, yeah. So yeah. it was four posters all. Uh, and it also had uh, mad props to Ben Lucas, accused uh, from um, up at uh, North Coast. It's mad to have us living in Greece at the moment. We had a poster for his stuff as well. Mm. But, yeah, all the trains from the, the floods, we yeah. did three different posters for that. Yeah. So it was the last issue. Uh, we had a bunch of people working, but mainly me and Pete Fear. Mm -hmm. And uh, Demote helped us a little bit in Sydney. A few other different people did interviews for us. And that was cool, man, because back in those days, you could get rid of six, 7,000 copies of a magazine yeah, yeah, yeah. around yeah, the world. 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in those days, it might have been only 10 or 15. Yeah. Um, well, that were our Instagram before the, before there was social yeah, media. But, you know, but like, the thing is, though, it's like what you're saying before, though, 
Because you'd look at them fucking a hundred times. Yeah. You'd have them sitting next to your bar for, yeah, like, man. for, for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like anyone that grew up with hopes, man, everyone that grew up with hopes knows every hype. Yeah, 100%. Because you looked at it a hundred times. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And it, you, you, that was it. You had six or seven Vapors mags in black and white. Mm. You had the hypes and you had Blitzkrieg or yep. whatever, yeah? Yeah. Um, so everyone was into it and it was it was like a real accomplishment, whereas mm. now anyone can self-publish. It, it's like telling someone that you've got an album on fucking – on the internet, it's like, what does that mean, <laughs> dude? Exactly. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I could do yeah. an album with you guys this afternoon of of ambient noise and put it on fucking yeah, man. You know, download. Yeah. So what? Yeah. You know, like that's it. It, it. That's why I've always loved vinyl and that because it's so real and um, it's concrete. You know mm. what I mean? Um, mm. and one interesting thing about Butterbeats, it took me a while to realize. It was always like really uh, recycling as well. So uh, trying to always with whatever I do in my world and in my work is always trying to leave a positive imprint and do as little harm as possible. So, um, yeah, it was one thing with Butterbeats that took me a while to realise, very much into recycling mm. and not just throwing away stuff for um, for its own sake. But, yeah, so uh, we got to the mid-'90s and in those days um, – Brisbane Graph was going off. There's heaps of new dudes involved. Heaps of uh, old cats were still around. Heaps of people coming from interstate. Lots of fun. And then the rave scene kind of got involved, kind of 92, I guess. Mm -hmm. The scene kind of split in two. At that stage, everyone kind of liked each other still. Yep. Then it sort of split into the whole kids that went into rave scene. Then it kind of got druggy involved. Most of the ACR dudes, never that heavy involved, you know. Smoke a little bit of weed, but that yeah. was it, man. You know, I did a bit of acid at uni, sold a bit of acid at uni or whatever, but that was a whole part of, you know, visual arts experience. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, uni, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah, so Brisbane kind of went different. And then the whole scene changed where you suddenly had like a purist scene and then you had a whole bunch of guys into rave and, mm. and just going that path. Mm. And then the whole graph kind of changed where, from my point of view, it went from that sort of solid, heavy outline New York solid reel and all of a sudden looking like spaghetti mm. and just being crazy and messy where the weirder it was the oh wow you, you're off your head you, yeah. that's crazy yeah um and i was at uni at that time so i got it pretty heavy in the uni just kept painting trains doing my thing and that motivated you to make the magazine or to take steps yeah, to put yeah, a magazine well, yeah out? like say uh, the hype Showcase, magazine like you know hype what magazine you in was... brisbane was more biased to sort of war crew and thc yeah and we sort of stopped getting coverage and we were never really into that whole it was that weird, typical teenage thing. Um, we just, you know, it was all too peachy keen, man. You know what I mean? And also, too, what it was to, to be more honest, I guess, um, I'd been in trouble, I'd got out. And then all of a sudden, there's a guy called uh, Detective Cameron Hall who worked for community liaison officer with Railway Squad. And he was doing a lot of legal projects in mm. Brisbane. And he was working more with the sort of druggy raver kids, the mm. hype guys, and all that sort of stuff. And even while they were not necessarily informing on people in the sense of that such and such and such mm. and such when you went to the mural projects you'd have to give your name yeah, yeah. so from my point of view i was hard-headed more old school crimmy mentality and i hated all that shit yeah because when i was locked up man it, there was the whole new school smacky generation and mm. you got kind of the last of the old school heads that just despised all that shit man where yeah. there's still that honor amongst thieves which is a myth but there still was some sense of honor amongst thieves but by the time that you know, ecstasy, any of that shit, man. You, you know, those dudes can't control. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. I think we've discussed it before in terms of, say, um, 
like say with ice heads now, man. Mm. Mm. Uh, ice head will tell you anything in a fucking yeah, watch man. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. stick them in the watch house. Six yeah, hours, they don't talk to them. After, yeah, let man. them out after that, and they fucking yeah, drugs turn. That drug turns cunts into fucking degenerates, man. Like fucking yeah. straight up in a heartbeat. Well, zero to hero, back to zero in yeah. thirty days. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had a. And let me say this to anyone out there on ice, man. Fucking better things to do, man. Yeah, man. Better things to do. Go we'll, get yourself. We'll tell them this. Give it up, you know? cunts. Like, fucking hell. Yeah, well, it's boring, man. What do you do? Yeah. Stay up all night. Take some more. Stay up all night. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. at least do something. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Do yeah. something, cunts. Fucking. Yeah. Well, know. all they do is that it's, it's the chase, isn't it? You know? So I suppose it's the burn, then the chase. So burn it down, puff it, then it's the chase. And that's just, it's just that fucking cycle of life. But I suppose that's addiction in general. Yeah, but you know, in like, many like everybody's addicted. Everybody's addicted, right? Yeah. Religious people are addicted to religion. Bloody, yeah, I'm sitting here rolling a fucking cigarette. Yeah, so yeah, everybody's like, got their own versions. You know, yeah. righteous people have got addictions to being righteous. Karen's got addictions to being calling the manager or whatever. So you just got to, from my perspective, and I did like seven years of youth work and involved in a lot of those cats. A, it's breaking the cycle of your friends. B, it's finding something else positive to substitute it with. Yeah. I.e., I've seen plenty of cats that are like. Druggies that turn into mad gym heads. Yes, because they get that same sort of pump. They get you yeah. know blah 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 blah. So you just got to find a gym or gym or god, isn't it? For whatever reason, you know, like so I've seen so many. Like I even have a, a like on a personal level, I have a cousin. He went the god route, and it's like okay, cool, whatever, whatever, whatever gets you through, whatever gets you the, from that. But yeah, it just steps. Um, yeah, you know, it's just it it's, seems to be gym or god yeah, with a lot with of them. The Twelve steps or whatever, same with like. Like Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the steps is finding God, so they are pushed yeah. into that, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Well, is that acknowledging a higher, higher power, higher force? Mm. I could argue about that thing for a little while, but I don't want to get into it. Mm. But um, yeah, anyway, point is, anyone listening out there that's on the fucking pipe or thinks that the pipe's cool? Get off the pipe. Mm. Fucking better things to do, please, man. Please, please, please. You know, when yeah. I was a young bloke, my old man come see me when I was about to get locked up when I was 17. He says to me, mate, you're a dickhead. I said, what do you mean? He says, mate, you should be out there, and this is going to sound sexist, but you should be out there chasing yeah. women your age and enjoying it and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I was like looking at him thinking, well, i got a girlfriend, everything's cool. He says, listen. That's the shit you're going to regret when you get older. Mm. You know what I mean? I was like laughing. And, you know, I spent many years painting at night time when I could have been hanging out. Now yeah. I'm 50, man. I can tell you there's a few fucking yeah. faces that I think back on. <laughs> and I think to myself, shit, man. I, I should have been, you know. Put a bit more effort into that one. <laughs> embracing the embrace rather than trying to impress a bunch of boys yeah, with some graffiti. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, bloody, that, that. Making human relationships is the most important thing, and living a positive life and having good relationships is the most important thing. Certainly, and trying to impress strangers doesn't necessarily get you long-term happiness. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, Can I ask you about like just um just like back to Blitzkrieg? But in one specific issue of Blitzkrieg, I don't recall which one, but there is a piece in there that I've always wanted to ask you about, and it was the right the piece with the rhinos that you did in I think oh, Germany yeah. or something. Yeah, and the yeah. casino was popping out of the sky. Yeah, okay, that was yeah. a fucking amazing, an amazing wall, man. Like, yeah, okay. was, was that painted with Lumet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that in uh, 1997, I got a Winston Churchill Memorial Fellowship. So basically, I had been doing about six years of youth work. I was at uni, and I had a. Um, and let me say this to everybody out there. The world is a wonderful place if you let it. You can have anything you want if you work for it and you ask for it and you fucking work out what it is that you really want. Mm. And there is a lot of free money and free money in Queensland. Right now at the moment there's $3,000 for any Queensland musician if you get to Q Music and apply. 
And I got a, a grant. And what it was is a uni professor liked me and he suggested I go for this grant and it was for Young Australians and Merit. And with that, I got that and I was doing it for graffiti. Mm. So I got paid the largest amount of money I've ever had in my life to go overseas to study. I went to San Francisco, studied with Twister, who's the, the best wow. of all the highbrow artists. I hung out with Giant Painter with him. Went to New York, studied with Crash and Days, and I went and studied uh, with Lumet. And basically, I was doing youth work, trying to look at graffiti projects, working how to take it to the next level. I had started in the mid-'90s uh, Brisbane Aerosol Art Collective where I was trying to I was seeing what June Hintz and a few other people were doing with Fantastic Arts where they were getting lots of money. So in Queensland, for instance, there's about $800,000 to go to community projects for graffiti a year. Shit. But none of us know about it. Yeah, right. And half the time, what got hip to it, uh, what got hip to it, I was out skating at uh, Kenmore Baptist Church in about 95 and I was talking to the priest while I'm skating and he's telling me how they got a graffiti grant to build the skate ramp. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, we went for a grant for the ramp but we didn't get it. So we went for a grant for graffiti and we got it, but we built the ramp so people could build paint graffiti so on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Right. I'm like, hang on. So you want to hang out with teenage kids, mainly boys. Fuck it and, and get your grips on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Baptists are not the worst at amongst all of them. Yeah. And you've purposely lied to a government grant saying you're going to build a graffiti space. Yeah. And I'm looking at this dude thinking, I only confirm what I think about most Christians. But anyway, especially in the hierarchies of organized church, not so much in general, mm. but uh, definitely in positions of power. Anyway, point being is that there's lots of free money out there and um, there's lots of grants. And if you know how to get hip to it, there's money out there. So I got a Churchill Fellowship and uh, they paid a round-the-world trip and that's when I painted that mural that you're talking about, which was at Kunstpark Oss, a part of what I was studying was projects and in Munich, in Germany, they had an art park and what they did, they had a warehouse area that was derelict and they turned it into a youth art space and a music precinct. And what Germany was really good at and really smart was the government say you could borrow money to do a project as a young entrepreneur, as a young, say you want to put on a jam, mm. you could get 15, 20 grand from the government. And they give it to you. They did a lot of that stuff back then. Oh, they still do, man. It's incredible. The jam scene in Europe's incredible. Anytime I go to Europe, I'll be painting and we're getting paid to paint around town next week. I'll be fucking Switzerland paid to paint there and all that sort of cool shit. Anyway, point being is that you put on a gig and if if it succeeded and you could pay the government back, they'd let you have more. Mm. Anyway, Kunstpark Austin Munich was a big uh, art park, warehouse park. Lumet was doing most of the graffiti there and I painted with Demote and Lumet. And basically at that time, because I was making the shift from all illegal stuff to doing a lot more legal stuff, I started doing pieces where I hid, or hid sorry, my uh, my name. Yeah. You know, it's called Rebus. <coughs> nice in New York was one of the first dudes to do it where you, you make pictograms. So yeah. instead of doing just straightforward letter frame stuff, you'd actually use pictures of stuff to, to form your letters. And that way I could do casino pieces and hide my name in that particular piece I, I did it twice yeah so i did the slightly embossed um sort of hollow style casino blockbuster and then behind that i had a picture of a, a church from cologne and then the rhinoceros mm. and the background that spelled out the name casino yeah so yeah sort of graph that everyone would sort of like shake their head at because dude i always thought it was fucking amazing man and i forgot that yeah it was demote because i knew it was a long it was three of yous but yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, he, yeah. he did the usual sort of standard graffiti stuff he, he's yep. a mad graffiti writer no doubt and then Luma at that stage was doing the sort of uh 3d sort of sci-fi lettering stuff yeah. a little bit kitschy with a lot of because he was doing a lot of community art stuff yeah so he had lots of characters and whatnot. Would you would you say was it who is the forerunner of that real fucking three D Euro thing? Dime, Lumet. Okay, so basically from New York, it was two guys, Pistol. 
um, and Flint 707. Okay. So they, in 72, 73, actually uh, did the first two proper 3D, okay. no outline on the shadow. Yep. Try to be illusionistic like it was falling off the train. Yep. And then from there, the style kind of died. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, in the mid-'80s, you had an incredible writer, Boris, uh, who wrote Mess, a.k.a. Delta from Amsterdam. Okay. He was the first one to really push that 3D lettering. And then, of course, sort of by 88, you had Murder. Yep. Jay Rankin yep. doing his version of it, which was solid outline, but it was symmetrical in crazy letter frames, complicated ribbon letters. Mm, yeah. Mm. So Delta was much more interested in um, at that stage, 2008 D comic books and this and that. But his letter was fat, chunky, illusionistic, whereas Delta's was much more outlined and clearly graphic. Anyway, we uh, Lumet paid and organized for murder to go to Europe. And then they all painted together. And then after that, then you had all these European cats taking what Murder had done and putting their twist on it. So um, so from there it broadened. So, yeah, in my personal opinion, it was um, Delta from Amsterdam in the early 80s, mid-80s, late 80s, early 90s doing it all. And he's one of these cats that in Europe his influence is highly influential, but he only did like 20 panels, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But back in the 90s, like when I went to Amsterdam in 92, man, you go there every lunchtime and you'd meet kids from around the world and just paint trains. Yeah. So I was the first dude to do a whole car, one-man whole car in Europe. I just did it by myself. Fuck, yeah. And what was funny was in Amsterdam at those times, 92, 93, everything was running, but the insides were clean, yeah? But uh, during winter, they didn't like to buff the trains because the shit would freeze up on the trains. Yeah. But the yards were only protected during the night time and the locals didn't want a big fence because they said it was like outswits. Mm. So the fence was like waist height. And uh, no I went shit. There, they, yeah, wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't fence the yards because it was like really. Yeah, outswits. Yeah, wow. Dutch, man. Dutch, yeah. fucking, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. A lot of shit going on in their heads, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, I, I went there one time by myself and painted this whole car and security turned up. And I'm more fucking surprised to see someone there than me. They took off quicker than I did. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that was funny because they just weren't so used to seeing people, yeah. you know. Anyway, but uh, good times. So, yeah, Delta was with the main 3D dude in the 80s. And then later Iron Dime, Those who dudes. just took it to the next level, yeah, man. Yeah, next like, level. You know, yeah. I went and stayed at, actually, it was a funny experience. I went and painted this jam in Lucerne in Switzerland. We stayed at Dime's place, yeah, and it was so weird because they were students and they had these small little apartments above a shop. And there'd be like three little student apartments, yeah, there'd be like two bedrooms or whatever it was. And those dudes weren't druggies. Most of the European dudes weren't druggies. I was, you know, enjoy a university cigarette or whatever. But anyway, point go to the bathroom <laughs> and there'd be 32 toothbrushes in a fucking – in a cup – because there's only one bathroom for these four different units oh, and there'd be like five, ten students living in each one. Jesus. And I'm looking at it going, you know, <laughs> you, you, but for Europeans it was one of those things. They're all used yeah. to the small apartments and this and that. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, Australia we've got a lot of space or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, mad props to Delta. He's an incredible artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long did you travel with Demote for? Um, Demote and me did a trip together. Uh, we went um, – God, i got to remember now, but he um, – Europe, I, remember, yeah. I remember a lot of the photos from, yeah, like Blitzkrieg. Yes, stuff, that would have yeah. been, I guess, 97. Even, even I think Hype Mag, there was some early in Yeah, Hype okay, Mag, yeah. yeah. So Demote's one of the best graffiti writers in, in Australia. Yeah, failed. And um, pretty staunch guy, pretty cool guy. Works for, uh, I think he's the head designer or some shit for um, RVCA in New York at the moment. He's actually got his citizenship, so props to him. Sick. But, uh, yeah, we went and um, I'd been in New York a few times and uh, been to Europe a few times. He wanted to go with me. We were friends, done some trains together, this and that, hung out together in Brisbane. He'd stayed with me for a couple of months in Brisbane. And when we were kids, um, we'd even travelled to Melbourne together, I think, in 
shit, maybe 88. Yeah. yeah. I think DeMote paid for me to go to, to catch the train with him and then he ditched me when we got to Melbourne basically. <laughs> anyway, I ended up staying with Peril or whatever. But uh, so, yeah, we went into – he wanted to go to Europe and then uh, my, a really good friend of mine, Shark, had the idea to go to Croatia and Bosnia. So yep. that was straight after the war. Yeah. And um, so we went to Germany. We painted a few jams. And, like, I was getting paid to paint at jams. At that stage, DeMote wasn't that well known in Europe. It was kind of funny for him because I was better known than him and uh, in Australia it was much the other way in a mm. lot of ways. Um, you know, I'd done whole cars in Sydney by myself in 88 and done a bunch of trains in 88, 89 and 90s in, in Sydney. So, you know, I, I was known there as well. But um, so, yeah, we went to Germany. Then we went to Croatia, man. We, we caught this shitty – one of the worst travel experiences, one of the best, yeah. So uh, it was obviously war-torn but they had people working – in Germany that were illegal immigrants from Croatia. Yeah. And they would catch these little weird mini buses, like a Toyota van but smaller. And they would they'd catch these vans, they were illegal vans, and you'd have to go to Munich Station and wait, and 12 o'clock they'd turn up, and then you'd, you'd try and find your way, and they didn't speak English or whatever. Shark organised it. We caught this fucking like 10 hours sitting with chain smokers. I don't smoke cigarettes, yeah, right? Yeah, all yeah. heavy Europeans, all smoke, all, all smoking, fucking yeah. non-stop. I'm just yeah. – Hate in life, yeah. Fuck, sorry, dude. We've been fucking sucking them down in here. Yeah, oh, that's all right, man. Try eight There's dudes, man. Eight, eight, eight Croatian yeah. dudes in a train know? carriage. And it was funny, right? Because we, we finally stopped after four hours. They all ran to the bathrooms. They all come running out with big bags of lollies and cartons of cigarettes, right? And, and me and Shannon and all that were just trying to get some fresh air. Anyway, went to Croatia. And there was nowhere to stay. We went to this backpackers, and I remember it had full of refugees from the war. Stepped in the bath in the shower, and the shower was full of cigarette butts, man. <laughs> I'd never seen a cigarette butt in the shower before in my <laughs> life. I was like, Jesus. whoa. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you shower yeah. around cigarette, but <laughs> Europeans, you know, yeah, heavy Eastern Europeans or whatever, yeah? Yeah. So we, our idea was to go to a war and tour country and, and check it out and to try and bring Western graffiti, yeah. So what was funny, we did some trains in um, Croatia. We decided to go to Bosnia, which was a lot crazier. And the hire car company wouldn't let us have the hire car, yeah? They said, there's no way in hell we're going to let you have a car and take it to Bosnia, so we lied. And crazy shit, man. We went to one town split and then an armed guy, you know, machine gun cop tries to fucking take us for all our money, yeah? Yeah. You're in the wrong street. You're driven down the wrong way. You you got this fine to pay. Anyway, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, you know. Anyway, so I said to the guy, I said, oh, look, my wallet's back at the hotel. We'll we'll go back and we promise to come back and give you all our money, yeah. (laughs) And he just started laughing and smiling because, you know, we we called his bluff. Yeah. um, So when we got to Bosnia, there's like you couldn't stay in any hotels, yeah. There was like one hotel because all the rest of it was bombed. And mind you, there's tanks cruising around, armoured, Armoured trucks with armoured. When was this? Mid nineties? Ninety seven. Yeah. So yeah, the tail end. end. Yeah. And, and and let me say this about racism. Yeah. So people living in the same village for a hundred years suddenly decide that it's, it's not cool anymore. Yeah. And and you're in, you're, you know your profits not my profit. Blah blah blah. And they they take a fucking bicycle and ride to the next town with a bazooka and a machine gun. They take a bicycle so there'd be no headlights. Fuck. So man. say if the opposite side would come, they'd just hop off their bike and jump on the side of the road. Yeah. And I, I got photos where it's a small street, so some mad buggers on one side of the road blasting the fuck out of someone's house, right? Fuck. And you'd look inside the house and you'd see the dinner plate still sitting there from where they they just left. Yeah. Right. And mass graves, when we made it to Bosnia, we looked into the, the main sports ground in Sarajevo where the Olympics were. And at, at the first it looked like tents or something. Yeah, we yeah. thought it was all refugees or something. It turned out it was where they did the mass burials. Wow. 10,000 wow. people buried there or some crazy shit. Like just some crazy shit anyway. 
So, yeah, just crazy times and good yeah. fun, though, you know what I mean? And we painted a bunch of stuff there and it was, it was cool. So, yeah, we had, we had good ventures. And yeah, whatnot. man. Fuck. Ended up sleeping in a graveyard one night. Dude. But he, for whatever reason, <laughs> shit. Shark doesn't like horses or some shit. We, we illegally stayed in <laughs> the farm. Prefers dead people. <laughs> yeah, well, this horse come over or some shit. So, we, we and the farmer let the dog. Anyway, we, we ended up sleeping in a graveyard. Yeah. And I remember in the morning, we got up. And all these locals are watching us fucking climb out of the the graveyard covered in dirt and shit and paint the night before and all looking at us or whatever. But, um, yeah, good times because everything was sort of new then. Yeah, too. yeah. The first time anyone had really, you know. There's a guy in, in Zagreb, uh, Sinister, I may have shout out to him. Um, we met him in, in Germany. He was our contact there. He'd done a couple of panels. But it was the first time, you know, real graph got yeah. done there. And, yeah, um, former Yugoslavia. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and actually what was funny, last year I, I got a <laughs> phone call from this dude who was down the Gold Coast and he was like 30. He was doing a party in German, a party in the Gold Coast, but he was a sound engineer from um, Zagreb or whatever. The first graffiti he'd seen was stuff that we had done. Yeah. And then he wanted to paint with me. So like 20 years later he gives me a call and says, we want to paint, blah, blah, blah. And um so for those dudes, you know, really influential in a, in a lot of ways, I guess. Um, and then once again, paying back, you know, wanting to say hi to the old yeah. school and wanting to pay dues and wanting to acknowledge. And, you know, I made a good contact. He was a good guy and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Well, some of those panels were amazing. And some of the photos that appeared in Blitzkrieg, like I think he had some kind of candid shots with like just, you know, like rail workers or whoever the fuck they were. I can't, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, that, like, that, that was a funny one. Yeah, that was the last day we were in uh, Croatia. We'd done a panel the night before. We didn't have photos, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the mode, you know, he, he loves making sure he gets a photo of everything, so do I. And um, and as we're about to leave, we seen the fucking train pull into the yards, yeah. And I just said, fuck it. So, bloody, I've run into the yards to get photos. And there's all these rail workers hanging around staring at us, right? Mm -hmm. They're all digging holes and shit, yeah. And realizing how patriotic and, and you know, sort of one, I start, I put my arm up in the air and I was like, uh, Croatia, Croatia. Yeah. <laughs> and they all start loving me, right? Yeah. Even though we can't speak the same language, they just figure I'm on the right side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, then next thing I've taken a few photos and I've shaken hands with the dudes and they've just, Shaking hands, so it's one of the best photos I've ever had where, yeah. um, you know, illegal trains and, and workers all around and whatnot. But um, back in those days, it was, that was a very simple country in a lot yeah, of ways, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, certainly. Um, not, not really, but, uh, you know, after the war, man, it was weird times anyway. Put it yeah, like yeah, definitely, man, definitely. Fuck, dude, you've had some amazing adventures. We'll wrap this up now because, fuck, I think we've had you for almost three hours. But, right, okay, okay. dude, Butterbeats, man, you've been running Butterbeats for 22 years. Can you tell us what led to, like, you, like man, you, you know, from the outset, you know, we've sort of gained this knowledge of you're a fucking businessman. Like, you know, you've been about your business regardless of upbringing. Like, you've always had some, that that head on your shoulders where it was business and whatever. You started that business 22 years ago. It still survives today. You're still in retail. I mean, fuck, how's it been over the course of 22 years? Oh, man, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Basically, for me, I'm never going to inherit shit. And I've always yep. known that, yeah? Yeah. So I've got no one to fall back on. I was kicked out of home when I was 15, man. So it was either rock and roll, sitting on the dole, hustling a bit of weed or whatever, buddy, or whatever it was. But for me, I wanted more, man. I mm. wanted to, to, to experience life and enjoy it and embrace it. So I've always worked. Mm. Single mum, she always worked and, and, and always wanted me to work and always fucking, we always worked. It's mm. just all there is to it, man, fucking. Yeah. Why, why would you waste your own life? That's right. Why would you wait? Yeah. You got one crack at it. 
Yep. Why would you waste it? Yeah. Sitting around talking shit, but you're yep. doing nothing. Fucking yep. shoot me. Dude, man. I always say on this podcast, man, nine times out of ten, the reward for this life is the work you do. Like to me, that's I don't know, to me that's what it's about, man. It's about yeah. the work. Yeah, the, you know, that's the idea of the process, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the journey and the whole bloody you know, the, the finished product's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, so yeah, so for me, I've always worked and I've always enjoyed doing projects, I've always enjoyed people, I've always enjoyed communicating, I've always loved music, I've always tried to do work that I love. Mm. So I, I love digging. I love uh, painting. So I started selling paint, started selling records. I set it up, you know, just a couple of crates of records and a, a, an account with Julux mm -hmm. back in those days, back of a shop for $100 a week. And I just started small, man. I worked every day, man. I've worked every day, six, seven days a week for fucking 22 years, man. I love yep. it. I yep. go overseas, I work. I fucking, and I don't see it as work though. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like. Yeah. I go to Japan, I go digging for records, right? Okay, I'm going to resell nine out of ten of those records, mm. but I enjoy digging records. Mm. I go paint and I enjoy painting. I, 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 you know, so I just try and make and, – and the success lesson for anyone in terms of success is find out what you love, keep doing it, and then try and work out some angle on it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you can't go wrong. Because yeah. even if you do go wrong, at least you've been doing something you love. Yeah. So um, – for me, records has been cool. We put records out. We try and not just be a vulture on the scene but actually participate. So Butterbeats has always been about giving back. Yep. We've always employed as many different diverse people as possible, always tried to give people in the scene jobs. You know, we've had Catch, we've had Dino, you know, mad rapper Dino. Yeah, mad of course. We've had him working for us. Courtney King from the UK, Miss Tracy, a whole bunch of different people and just – just try and make life interesting, man. Like I, I could have made a lot more money selling real estate, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. And, and my dad's background is real estate, man. But the idea of being a suit just never appealed to me. And uh, my sister, God bless her, smart, intelligent woman, she went into the council work, worked for council for thirty years. Mm. She's got a million bucks in super. Yeah, it's it. And I safe. wouldn't want to be wouldn't yeah. want to be her for a day. <coughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like for me to give yeah. up eight hours a day to a bunch of. You know, yep. I'd rather shoot myself, yeah, you know, man. hang yeah, myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we kind, of, we kind of spoke on this last episode, man. I recently quit my job and shit like you, man, and I just felt like a fucking slave, a rat in a maze, man. Like, you know, like yeah, – And don't get me wrong, though, because, like, I in the early days, I, I, I did a lot – let me say this, man. I broke some rules to get ahead, mm. and everybody that gets ahead has to break some rules. Mm -hmm. And you got to mm -hmm. decide which rules you're going to break. Yep. And for me, I didn't break personal rules or, or shit like that. And I never done anything. Well, never did anything. I could, and it went, let's say I, I buy and sell a lot of shit. Yeah. Yep. So my approach is always the same. What do you want for it? Mm. I'm not going to haggle you down. Mm. I'm not going to tell you your shit's worth nothing. Mm. I'm going to say to people, what do you want? Mm. And to be honest, nine times out of ten, they're going to sell themselves. Mm. And I'll go, great, great. I can make a living out of it. You're happy with that. Everyone wins. Yeah. I love a win-win. And the main thing in life is to try and find win-wins for, for every situation you're involved in, even with your enemies, even with people that don't like you or whatever it is, is just to keep doing your thing and and keep working and and, and, and not think about it too much either. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like trying to, to, to look at this big trophy and, and think that's the goal. Mm. It's It's systems, man. And say for me, it's all about systems, yeah? I avoid the negative people as much as possible. Yeah. I avoid the negative lifestyles as much as possible. And I worked as a tattooist for a while, right? So you'd be involved with some fucking heavy speed heads. Fuck, you did too, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, about I worked well, at a case for Ridge, eh? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. I had my own tattoo studio at um, West End for years. Oh, West yeah. End. Okay. And, you know, to be honest, half of it was just partying on, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, what it was, I could go. 
I'd be a good dad, put my kids to bed, mm. eight o'clock, I care they're asleep and I get the fuck out of the house and yeah. I'd, I'd get on it and party and, and drink and tattoo and smoke and have a good time. Yeah. And it was good, you know. So actually, you did. I think you did some tattoos on one of my mates, Scott Jackson. Uh, I did a lot, man. It's funny. I mean, yeah, you don't like. Yeah, 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 yeah kids yeah. come up to me. You yeah. tattooed my dad. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you know, yeah. for me, you know, it's like most guys that tattooed. Sometimes it takes a minute to jog the memories. You know yeah. what I mean of, of what yeah. you did because you know did a lot, or whatever. But um, just just trying to do stuff every day, man. And like a friend of mine at the moment, I'm talking to him, he's he's mad into gear or whatever. Yeah. So fucking that dude. The, the, let me say this: to be a fuck up, to be mm. a true fuck up, yeah, you got to fuck up every opportunity you get mm. every time. Mm. To be normal, you've only got to fuck up half the time. Yeah, yeah. Right. So to be mediocre, normal Joe Blow, it's not that hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To be a full blown wasteoid, you got to fuck everything up every opportunity. And I got <laughs> friends like that, right? And we <laughs> laugh because I hang out with them, and, and mm. you know, we have a chat, mm. and they, you know, if, you, if they're if you're honest with them, they'll acknowledge it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But that, that effort you like say, and I said, man, the amount of time you spend getting on, if you spend all that energy on working, earning that hundred bucks and, and doing something positive with it and, and, and trying to hook up with some hot like I'm not on Tinder, man, but fucking yeah. I was young, I would be because I tell you what, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a roller coaster of fun there, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, like no doubt. But, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. so do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do stuff other than just get on it and fuck it and then try and get on it again. Yeah. And um and, and and be honest though too. Do you know what I mean? Like, say for me, I was never as talented in certain ways as some other guys, but I knew I was a lot more hardworking. Yeah. I was a lot more determined. And guess what? You know, some of those dudes are working government jobs at Canberra, hating life, no girlfriend, no life, blah, 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 blah. God mm. bless them, but they're not happy people. Yeah. And why is that? Because they they, they, they didn't work as hard to, to, you know, blah, 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 blah. What, what, what is like, you know, and we'll, we'll wrap it up now. How long have we been running, Russ? Oh, fucking word. Sweet. It was a good time. But um, like your determination, your motivation and your ambition, what is that like to you? What do you credit that to? Short man syndrome. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> short man syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Anala, the short man syndrome. Uh, you know what is, um, man, like I said before, you only live once. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like say for me. I had a surf this morning, man. I got dumped by this five foot, six foot fucking wave nearly died because I have fucking smoked a few university cigarettes. I'm head down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. know what? I loved it. Yeah. I yeah. was a fucking live. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. I was huffing and puffing. I thought to myself, geez, I wish I didn't smoke as yeah, much yeah, as yeah. I did. Yeah. But bloody, I'm alive, man. Yeah. And I'm here and I'm fucking celebrating it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm an ugly short dude, man, but I've never been lonely. Why is that? Mm. Because I fucking enjoy having a laugh. I enjoy mm. communicating and I know exactly who I am. I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses mm. and I embrace both, if you know what I mean. And for me, it's, you get one hit, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Also, too, let me say this. I've seen so many friends of mine that are good people fucking die yeah. and just fucking throw it all away. Yeah. And, and let me shout out to a whole bunch of people that have, man. Magnus, his dad was a fucking millionaire, owned Aristopets. He's fucking dead. Fucking drowned on his own vomit, fucking from fentanyl, fucking mm. you know, mental illness or whatever, man. But but for him having that, knowing that he's going to inherit millions of dollars, probably worst thing ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Another yeah. friend of mine, Harley, one of the hardest working, coolest guys I ever know. Shout out to Harley, man. Fucking got involved in ice, fucking smashed up his car, dead. You know what I mean? Like fuck with, you know, mm. like lovely dude, coolest dude on the planet, man. But bad choices, and unfortunately, with some of that shit, those bad choices are permanent. And 
I saw a lot of people die early on and fuck up their lives. So yeah. a lot of my mates, they got involved in graffiti, ended up getting involved in heroin and robbing banks and spent 14 years in jail, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, perhaps doing seven months of bogger, that frustration of, of being held down for seven months, but he only reinforced my, you know, and trying to embrace as much as I could. Yeah, you're you know not someone I'm, that can be caged, clearly. Like, you know, well, I mean, your, your world, you're, you know, like you're, you're global, you're fucking, you know, you're not someone that can be caged, not even to a state, not even to a fucking, you know. Like, yeah, obviously, too, obviously, you, 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 you uh, respect the boundaries and the confinements of family, but beyond that, you know, you're fucking men, and it's to your credit, in my opinion, you are fucking globally minded and motivated. Well, let me, and I appreciate what you're saying, and, and thank you, but like, say, from my point of view, yeah, I could exist. Just on the record label, I've seen lots of dudes cruise off making three, four records and talk about it forever, mm. right? That's not me, yeah. Mm. And and I've never promoted myself that way. Or I, I could live, man, 183 in, in Blitzkrieg and Butterbeats, we've done over 50 different graphic designs T-shirts, man. Yeah. We've had artists like Shepard Fahri, yeah. uh, Mike Giant, fucking Duster from New York, a whole bunch of different dudes. And that's yeah. my way of paying those dudes my dues. Yeah. Always love that giant tea that you guys did. Yeah, well, say with Duster, man. I I went and painted with Duster in LA (laughs) at Venice Beach and hung out with him and Buddy. He was living in a fucking caravan of Hollywood, man, on the streets, basically. One of those weird sort of ute situations where you get a caravan on the back. But I could give him three, four hundred bucks for a T-shirt design. You know, we only do 48 or whatever. So it's my way of paying back the scene. So that's one thing I always try and do, pay back, yeah, yeah, pay it forward. Without being kind of look at me... Yeah, yeah, charity yeah. dude yeah. or whatever it is because put it this way it's a win-win yeah I get to put out 48 limited edition duster shirts yeah he gets to fucking make some money that's right we both get to hang out and paint mm. fucking, we get free paint because mm. of who he is and who I am in LA we go paint at Venice Beach we have a good time he shouts me a smoke everything's cool I think they, so, call, they call it a mutually beneficial exchange which is what we should <laughs> yeah. all be involved exactly. in man it's a round planet yeah. there's room for everybody yeah and so yeah for me I could be known for like Doing the T-shirt thing, or I could get known for doing the books that I do. I've done books on uh, opening sale, which has nothing to do with graph, just hand-painted signs, or I could mm. exist on different levels. But for me, it's what's happening today. What am I working on today? You know, what, what, what's happening today? Mm. And um, and we're doing another hip-hop comp at the moment, so Butterbeats is putting out. Uh, we're trying to do a lot, uh, you know, we've always done stuff with Indigenous artists, but we're trying to concentrate on a lot more of the sort of Anala dudes and the Goodna dudes and that sort of those yeah. cats that aren't getting vinyl release per se and, yeah. and, and you know. Did you do Kings of Steel? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was Kings us. That was Steel, years yeah. ago. That was double vinyl. That was hip-hop uh, UK and uh, Aussie hip-hop dudes, beat maker dudes. Yeah. And um, we did 500 of that. We did, um, you know, Sounds of Love, a house project. We did the Masters record. Big shout-out to yeah. Jason, the master. The, yeah. um, did you do that record? Did you have the Masters yeah, record? Man. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Crazy. was the Dole Checks to Roll Checks or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So we did five. 500 of that, but once again, I kept it low key. Yeah. So we put it out on, on Smokescreen, which is his label, slash 183. Same like the Winnie Cooper's records. Uh, we did that for those Gold Coast dudes. I Fuck, love those. Where, the, where, where those guys? What oh, they're Coopers? still around, man. Still one, they, one of them works in youth work. The other guy, uh, Joe's still down the Gold Coast. He's doing more yeah. folk music stuff okay. now. They were getting love on fucking national radio. Like they were getting love on Triple J. Well, you know what like it is, man? <laughs> like, say we did that, uh, we put that record out where we had that football song, yeah? Mm. And Australia's got a history of joke songs being huge yeah, yeah. in the same way say Eddie from Butterfingers should have had a hit with I Love Work yeah yeah, yeah. and Eddie's a great but then rapper. he had a hit with Fig Jam yeah in a way you know yeah like, it didn't know. quite cross Not over quite. the same way as like yeah. an ostentatious or one of those yeah cats. true 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 but um yeah so you know I've, I've just tried to keep 
intellectually stimulated and physically stimulated. So, you know, at the moment, say in Brisbane, I can't paint as much as I want because I don't have access to the legal walls. And, um, you know, I paint trains when I go overseas or whatever, but I can't paint trains in Brisbane because it's just... So you'll still paint a train when you go overseas? Oh, man, I painted last year. There's a yeah. few panels, buddy. <laughs> Fucking well done, man. Well done. Well, well done. You know, but, yeah. you know, it's funny, man. It causes headaches. My, my, we went and visited my wife's parents in Germany. They're in a little country town. And ironically enough, so the dad's a doctor... But they had a really nice cottage and down the road was yards, yeah. So every night I'd sneak out of the house to go to these yards and I'm by myself. <laughs> and the parents are freaking out because the dog would wake up and they'd wake up and they'd say to my wife, what's, going, what, what's yeah, yeah, Jason yeah. up to? Yeah. And she was like, first night she was like, don't worry. Second night she was, don't worry. Third night I actually got to hit it, yeah. yeah. And then um, I, I, had, I, I was looking to go get video footage of the train I painted and it had security guards in it, which was ironic because usually in Germany they don't so much, but uh, it was in this weird small town. Anyway, point being is that my wife told uh, the mother-in-law and then they both looking for the train for me. Yeah. So you got this upper middle class lady who's rather nice and then they're, they're all happy to ring me to let me know that they got video footage of the train rolling, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I've, I've kind of been fortunate with my uh, family that um, – Understanding in a way, almost. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like we went to Venice, and I was painting over there, and yeah. they, they get a little bit peeved off. Um, you know, like say I was on German TV this year. I was interviewed for a program, uh, Art TV. They did a special on uh, from New York to Germany. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So if you want to see some of my stuff, uh, just Google Art TV Dortmund to New York. And I'm, I'm painting over there and hanging oh, wow. out and doing some bombing and painting some stuff. I'll be checking that but out. Yeah, was, well, for them it was a weird one. Yeah. So they're all happy that they could tell their in-laws because my wife's uh, uncles are famous actors in Germany, this and that. And um, so they, they like that sort of being able to say, oh, well, you know, Jason's on art TV. Yeah, 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 for real. <laughs> so, yeah, once again, bracing the yin and yang of life and, yep. and, and then the high and low, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, like I, I've had multiple careers. And one thing mm. with Butterbeats, like, we made paint. We were the first company in Australia to make paint. So before Iron Lake made paint, we went and made paint uh, Kings of Steel cam. We bring mm. out the Kings of Steel record. <coughs> and yep. at one stage, uh, 183 in Kings, we had 35 colours in our range. But I never really wanted to do – and I spoke with the Iron Lake dudes earlier on where we came to an agreement where um, I stopped making as much as I did because I never wanted to be Mr. Paint. And yeah, I never yeah. wanted – to embrace that full corporate thing that those guys had to to make it work, yeah, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, and exactly. that was never me, man. I'm always more happy just kind of just sitting in the background doing stuff without having to do the full corporate push. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I, you know. Dude, it's been a fucking amazing life, man. Like, fuck. Like, and, you know, like with Butterbeats, I mean, you's, you know, 22 years you've withstood so many trends through music as it's gone from a physical, a tangible format to the fucking digital to even now seeing the resurgence in wax. But, like, man, I think, uh, dude, I think you should be applauded on all your on all your achievements, you know, Appreciate re that. regardless you. of – regardless well, let, of let me first of all say thanks to everybody that ever come in the store – Everybody that, that bought stuff from us, everybody that supported us, mm. to the people that boycotted us, that's okay because mm. we appreciate that mm. we didn't have to deal with your negativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, love to everybody. Love to everybody that was involved in any of our projects. We really appreciate, you know, man, we've, we've, you know, we've worked with so many different Aussie artists. We're so proud to um, have done our little bit just like you are where you're documenting the culture. We, we did our bit to, to make sure that vinyl was released in the early days mm. uh, and, and, mm. and make sure that, Different voices got heard and, and people from different scenes merged together, so we're really proud about that. Proud to, you know, you know, just keep active, glad to be still alive. Hard times for everybody economically. Certainly. And um, 
one of my tips that I can tell people out there, I made the most money when 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 the shit wasn't popular. Yeah. So when records were dead, that's when I made most of my money. Yeah. And three years I paid for my house, man, basically, um, back in the early days. Yeah. And like now the problem is since records are supposedly so hot, there's like 10, 15, 20 stores, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. no one makes any money. Yeah, true. Whereas back in my day, there was me, Rocking Horse and Skinnies. That was it, man. Yep. So um, it was good times in a lot of ways, yeah? Yep. Um, so, but yeah, if, you, if you're out there and, and you want to participate – just every day participate and slowly it will come, man, and just try and work out a weird angle and find those little weird niches that um, aren't uh, – a uh, good way to make a life is try and find the weird nooks and crannies. Yeah, yeah. look beyond the norm. Yeah, and just be open, man, and, and, and say like with what you're doing, never be scared to work for free. Yeah. This you is know what we what do. I mean? We're not making like, a cent here, bro. We're not making a well, fucking cent. that's what I'm cent. saying, man. I'm not getting paid to be here. You're yeah, not getting paid exactly, to be here. Man. You know what? Exactly. But we don't care because guess what, man? Fucking – it's like what I loved about doing football is radio. Once it goes – once radio goes out into the airwaves, it goes out into the universe forever. Yeah. And I love that idea, man, mm. that in 800 million light years there'll be some Martian – Going, who's that fat short dude talking shit? You know what yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever. You know what I mean, like yeah. and, and leaving an impression and, and yeah, leaving something behind, and and it's all very transitory and all the rest of it. But participating, producing, leaving something behind, you know, that, you're happier for it in yeah, a lot man. of ways. Man, yeah, just yeah. sitting at home, sitting on the same bongs, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That frustration will never leave you. Fucking hell. You know? Fucking and ain't. nothing against bongs, man. Not that I'm into bongs. I prefer joints. But yeah, you know. dude, I'm the same. I threw my bug out fucking years ago, man. I'm into the I'm, – I'm the same, man. I smoke spliffs. But, like, you know, have that spliff at the end of the day or have that spliff at the beginning. Like, just just know when it's time to do that. Get that fucking work done. Do that work. And then, man, like, fuck, boom, get into whatever you want to get into extracurricularly, you know? Yeah, like, well, just give yourself that little – held that carrot out. Yeah. And, uh, you know yeah. – yeah. Not, some of us like to have a wake up and have a smoke, but you know, you go for, go for a jog first and do, yeah, a bit, do something. Go yeah. for a swim and surf first and then yeah. then have your bloody. If you got you a relax, know. if you got a relaxing Sunday, man, go out, do a little bit of exercise and 9 a.m. blaze one down. Fucking chill, <laughs> like whatever. You know, if you got a relaxing Sunday to have, boom, boom, boom. You know. But dude, you were met, you were talking, and one last thing, this is the last thing we'll ask and we'll wrap it up now. But um, I did want to ask you about for years, the wall at South Brisbane, the blast. You were talking briefly about people, friends that you'd lost. Yeah, okay. Um, well, there you go. That that blast wall, man, that road for what yeah. must have been 15 years, close to at yeah, least. Yeah, it has to be at least, yeah. And so, Ben. Big rooftop at South Brisbane. Yeah, okay. So, the, the background of the story, I guess, uh, early 90s, 91, 92, uh, DS crew, I guess, formed. Pete Fear and this guy, Ben Blast, yeah. Mm -hmm. Really lovely dude, really nice dude. And they were bombing roof, heaps. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, at Milton there was a building. It's not there anymore. It had one of those sort of old, uh, not fibro, but some sort of weird material like that. He'd gone up to do a rooftop. And the poor bugger just fell three stories straight on and, and killed it and died, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was one of the first sort of main young guys that died when I was young. We did a memorial war. We didn't get paid or whatever, but it was at South Brisbane. Was it illegal? Was it legal? Yeah, so what it was, it was and, – and once again, this is asking ye shall receive, man. You'd be surprised. You, you can ask strangers for money and you'll get it. Yeah. And you can ask strangers and say, hey, listen, I want to go smoke some weed this afternoon. Mm. And I'll tell you what, if you give me 20, I'll think heaps about you. And they'll probably mm. give you 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? The world's full of people that are happy to give if you're honest, yeah. and even if you're not honest or whatever. Anyway, point of that story was I had gone in the early days to the Office Works, which is a company. Well, not Office Works. It was uh, something similar to that. Anyway, um, 
they helped us with the printing of the magazine because I'd gone there to do a legal wall. I painted a legal wall. I got an early commission. The guy was cashed up, but he recognized me as a working class guy, but with some, some ambition. And he, he gave me one of my first commissions. Mm. I think I was only paid 800 bucks. I painted his back wall. I put his name up there, phone number, and was allowed to do whatever. That road for a couple of years. <clears throat> and then when Ben died, we thought it was a perfect spot to do a memorial. Spike did the word. Mm. We kept it simple. And then, yeah, I did the big sort of two-story portrait of Ben. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm quite good at portraits, but for whatever, this is where uni messed me up. Uh, like I'd done uh, a Biggie Smalls portrait in New York and ended up on TV in New York and got paid well and, and done this and that. But uni was like, oh, that's just, that's that's a skill. That's not a theoretical basis for artwork. Okay. So, um Whereas I could have stayed doing faces forever and had a livelihood doing faces forever and would have made a living forever, I tended to overthink it, yeah? So um, I, I made it into, like, say, Source magazine with that Biggie Smalls portrait and this and that and mm. um, quite well known for it or whatever and, and could have keep doing that sort of thing for ages. Like I said, we did do Wu-Tang banner and I did Grandmaster Flash banner and did Cuba better. So I, yeah. I, I had quite a good run with all that sort of stuff. Um uh, yeah, but Blast, man, really nice dude, but yeah, just bad luck, man. And the thing is, I've, shit, there's so many different dudes I can name. Teen was one of the first ones, OD'd, yeah. uh, Penrith Station, and um, well, just... D DS lost another dude, Fly, later on. Oh, yeah, 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 he was, you know? so what it was, he was much more into the drug scene earlier on, so I kind of avoid him. Oh, let me give a shout out to a few different dudes while I think of it too, yeah. before we disappear. I'll start with the old school from Sydney. Let me give a shout out to Joker, Teen, Tito, Seven, RCF, legendary dude. Let me give a shout out to the whole Fab Four. Let me give a shout out to all my old mates from PIC, Gav Badger, all those sort of dudes. Um, let me give a shout out to all the Melbourne dudes that I, I knew back in the day, Paris, Peril, Ransom, all those cats, no, new, tame. Then let me give a shout out to everyone in Brisbane that was cool over the years. Let me give a shout out to um, just everybody that's just been involved, man. Everyone that's out there listening, that's listening to your show. Mm. You've all contributed something by just even listening, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. Dude, fuck. Yeah, I mean, just in wrapping up that blast rooftop, just because it was there for years, I just remember, I just always found it remarkable. I was like, fuck, what a, what a wall, man. Like every time you'd, you'd leave South Brisbane or you'd be going into South Brisbane Station, you'd just look across and that like it was the blacks and the greys. And, you know, I remember hearing the story that he fell through the roof and it was just something I always wanted to ask you about. Yeah, it was, well, that, that Kind was... of iconic in terms of Brisbane. It was there for years and years. Yeah, know, like, like and, and for us, once again, just giving back, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I've been lucky. I had a piece in Munich that stayed. Me and Demote did this uh, illegal spot at the main station and the trains come every three minutes and we were drunk and we, we did the super hard spot yeah mm. right next to central basically and that stayed for 10-15 years mm. and I've had pieces in Croatia stay for 10 years that's the thing if if you do stuff there's a chance of it lasting and yeah. um, you know I got a, a mural just at the moment I just did for Albert Namajira down at um, Archerfield oh sorry not at Archerfield at Annerley yeah and hopefully that will stay for years it's it's um, Blast uh, you know a really nice guy and too sad and, um, you know, it's one of those situations where is it better that he actually lived to the full and, and died early or perhaps would it be better to do less? And Yeah. 
you know. It's but a question. Um, it's a question I'll never find an answer, is. unfortunately. Yeah, it is what yeah. it is, man. That's it, bro. It is what it is. Once again, Jake, man, this is a great I appreciate interview, your brother. time. I appreciate yeah. everybody here. It's um, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Uh, a good thing you're doing. Awesome, and I hey, hope. everybody, get your butt into Butterbeats and spend some money. Keep us Please going, do. man. Please support do. all your local hip hop stores that are owned by hip hop heads. That's it. Five, six, seven down in Sydney. Yep. Cold Crush down in bloody Adelaide and all those dudes. Yeah, give them all support, man. Everyone that's doing their thing, man. The thing is to boycotting people and hating on people, man, doesn't make you any stronger. No. Doesn't make you any cooler. And, um, you know, it certainly doesn't help anyone, doesn't help you. It only contributes to further negativity and I hope, man, we've fucking dispelled a lot of stuff and we've, like, you know, like, I mean, as stated in the outset, you're a polarising figure out of this city. You have been. And I hope, man, like, this gives a broader understanding standing of even just you. Man. Let me, like, let me you say know. this briefly about that to address it. I was negative for a couple of years. I came from a bad place and from my point of view, I never victimised anyone. I only retaliated. I've always been a retaliator. So in terms of that stuff, although I'm not uh, without blood on my hands, um, <laughs> I respect the cat's blood that I did put on my hands because they never knocked me into the cops. Yeah. So I got respect for those dudes. Uh, props to all of them. And um, negativity, man, was a small part of my life. And I, I tell everybody that I uh, had echoes for years. Still exactly, does. man. And I said, everybody out there and listen to land, uh, negativity, man, echoes for a long, 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 long time. And, and it only ever breeds we, further negativity. Yeah, well, you, you know, you outgrow some of this shit. And for me, it was high school fights for a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, also, too, let me say this, alcohol, man. Yeah. I did some crazy random violence shit that doesn't make sense to me even now mm. and I barely remember it but the dudes I hurt probably, you know, yeah. whatever. But um, alcohol, so, you know, what's, you know, I don't drink much alcohol anymore, man, mm. two, two, two or three at the most. Bloody. That's it. Um, so, yeah, you know. That's it, not a bad thing. Yeah. On that note, man, once again, thank you so much. Jake, thanks for having me. Boys, Casino, Jason me. Woodward, motherfuckers, make some noise. This has been Beers Beats on the Biz for another week. <laughs>